Hello, everyone. Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. What's up, guys? And remember, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at NBA Unwrapped. You can also follow me on Twitter, at CorbinMRPK. And Perry, I actually do remember your Twitter handle this time, at Perry Aston, right? Wow, yeah, yeah. look at that. I know. At it's Perry pretty, Aston guy. pretty incredible. But yeah, make sure to follow us, our NBA Unwrapped Twitter page. Perry has been doing an amazing job with it. I've been trying to help when I can. I've been getting a little more active with tweeting some more stuff uh, on yeah, our page. My Twitter page, not so active, so definitely <laughs> want to follow our NBA Unwrapped Twitter page and Perry's Twitter page as well. Mine, I tweet once in a while, but they're good tweets, so if you want to, yeah, follow. Um, other than that, also make sure that you can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, so if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that. And uh, yeah, with that, let's get right into it. So this is a very exciting podcast for Perry and me. Uh, it seems like almost all of our podcasts are very exciting, but this one is the NBA season preview with our predictions for the year, as well as who we think will be winning the championship, our standings, MVP awards, and other awards like that. So before we get into that, Perry, I want to start off. The NBA had, it was news, not huge news, but they are making a change to how the All-Star game is going to be played. So now no longer will the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference be playing against each other. There will still be 12 players from each conference participating in the game. But unlike in years previous, they will have two team captains. It'll be the leading vote-getter from each conference will be a team captain, and then they will pretty much do NBA blacktop style, where it's just they get to choose their teams. Each team captain oh, yeah. gets to choose who's going to be on their team. It's definitely going to make for some interesting storylines. What do you think about that? Are you a fan of the change? You see, when I heard about it, I know I immediately texted you. I wasn't a huge fan from the initial reaction from me just as just from what i knew i feel like i it was more of a scared of change this reaction but then i thought about it and i thought about how the nfl kind of just did something like this uh, a couple years ago and they had i know it wasn't the top vote getter but it was jerry rice and Deion sanders two legends of course but they got to pick their teams as team captains no matter what anyone's opinion was on it i know that the uh the ratings for that game was so much larger than any of the years before that and it brought like a revamp to the all-star game which people kind of stopped caring about at all so maybe i'm hoping it does the same for this and the only reason why i like it is because of how lopsided the conferences are right now with the east being as weak as uh, weak as it is and the west being so scary good i don't think it's going to be entertaining it's going to be kyrie irving against the world i feel like <laughs> Uh, but now at least you know that it's going to be a fair game, and maybe because they're getting picked by other players, who knows, maybe they try a little bit harder, maybe on the defensive end, or maybe make it a little bit more competitive at least. That's my initial thought. Maybe at first I thought it was kind of out there and no reason for the change. Now that I think about it, I think it's actually a pretty good idea. Why not, as Russell Westbrook would say. Right. Yeah, I when I first heard it, I was not a fan of it. I just... I guess I'm more traditional with just I'd really like the two conferences pitting themselves uh -huh. against each other, but 
I understand why the move was made, especially after last year when I forgot what the exact final score of the All-Star game was, but it was something around like 196 to 186. No defense being played at all, and it seemed to get worse and worse each year until last year it just reached a crescendo where just something, something needed to change. And Chris Paul and Michael Jordan both thought that something needed to be changed. They worked with Adam Silver. They were both adamant about doing something, and Yes, this definitely adds some intriguing storylines. For instance, if Russell Westbrook is a team captain and he gets and he's in a position where Kevin Durant is the obvious choice, is he actually going to choose Kevin Durant or is he going we to got some, go? We have with, some play. We got some playground drama now. Yeah, that's what we got. Yeah, for sure. So, and then yeah, I mean, competitive wise, it seems like in the All Star game. All the time. The first three quarters, there really isn't any defense played, and then the last quarter, they tend to play more defense. It's not a defensive battle the last quarter, but it's more defense. I want to see these guys going full out, 100% effort, and see who is the better conference or who is the better picked team. It doesn't matter how they're going to separate these teams. I want to see effort. Yeah, I'd love to see that. At the end of the day, I just want to see entertaining basketball. And the All-Star game usually is very entertaining, but... If they want to play some more defense, that would be great. And then just one other slight change is that now these teams will be playing for charities instead of in years past. I believe the winners got something like $100,000 per player. The losers got 50000 These players who are all-stars, for the most part, they're making tens of millions of dollars. I don't think they really mind sacrificing fifty or 100000 to give some money to charity. So that's, that is a great call by the NBA. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, all right, enough of that. Let's go into some Twitter questions we have. So, what is our first Twitter question, Perry? That's my uh, favorite part of this week. I know uh, last podcast we called out to all of our listeners to drop some questions that they might have about the NBA in general this season in particular due to the fact that this is our season predictions podcast. So, we got a good amount of questions. Uh, Love to see that, and we are super excited to talk about it on this podcast. Our first question was a question that we actually answered on that day due to the fact that it was a question about the first preseason game, but I still wanted to have a little conversation about it. It's from uh, at Doc Purdy, that's D-O-C-P-U-R-D-Y 82. He asked, how much will the starters play tonight from a tweet that we put out about the preseason, he uh, came back with a question about how much the starters were going to play tonight. I wanted to segue this into maybe a small conversation about how much the starters play in the NBA, maybe compared to other sports, and uh, maybe your opinion on starters playing in the preseason. I know some people are more for it than others. Some like to stay out on more of the cautious side. So uh, what, I, what we did answer was 15 to 20 minutes uh, roughly on that game since it was night one uh, of the preseason. We weren't 100% sure how some of these teams were going to come out starting their start. Obviously, they were going to start the starters, but how long they'd play minutes-wise, we answered about 15 to 20 due to the fact that it was the first game, but you'd always expect it to be maybe about 15 to 25 on an average. Um, I know me and you both agreed on that number, and it's looked about that number since uh, from the preseason games that I've been watching. So I wanted to get maybe a thought or two from you on starters playing in the preseason. Yeah, I think it kind of depends based on each team. So for the most part, starters play anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes. you got to think just long-term. This is a long season. The NBA took some steps to make sure that it's not as much of a grind this year. They're starting the regular season 
two weeks earlier than they normally do to eliminate as many back-to-backs and completely get rid of any four games and five nights. So that's going to help players, but this is right before the regular season starts. You don't want to be wearing these players down. I think some teams, like for instance, the Los Angeles Lakers, the 76ers for sure, just more of the younger teams that they need to take advantage of this time to build chemistry. You have to treat these preseason games as if they're a little bit more important and play your starters, your young players, more than the established teams like the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs should be playing. Well, yeah, you, you, know, you know they're going to be great. You don't need to force Steph Curry to be 35 minutes on a game compared yeah, exactly. to, you know, exactly. a younger and point guard. You want to see something from Yeah, because they've been playing for years together. Meanwhile, right. teams like the Lakers or the Sixers, they have Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. Both will be rookies because Simmons missed last year. They need to get some chemistry. Now, so, my, qu- my quick question just about the 76ers right there. Let's say, you know, of course, Ben Simmons has his, uh, the injury history from last year when he had to miss the entire of last entirety of last season. And Markel Fultz got, you know, not a very serious, but it still was an ankle roll that did sideline him for the rest of the summer league. And, of course, Joel Embiid with his health issues. Do you, even in that situation, do you still stay on the cautious side and treat these players like you are being careful, or do you treat them like NBA players, regardless of the you know medical history, and get them out there to build the chemistry? Oh, no, you're cautious 100%, no matter what team it is. If you have any player that has any, even just sore, keep them out. We saw that with, I believe, Markel Fultz sat out of the Sixers-Celtics game, uh, when was it, last night or the night before, and that was just because he was sore. Anything at all, yes, it's important to build that chemistry, but missing one game, missing two games, if you miss the whole preseason and it takes those extra five or six games in the regular season to develop a little more chemistry, so what? You you can't, you want to avoid at all costs any players getting injured with some serious injuries where they're actually going to miss any regular season time at all. And we've totally seen, agree. yeah, and I mean, we've seen, Obviously, you can't completely prevent it. We saw Nicholas Batum of the Hornets. He's going to be out 8 to 12 weeks with an elbow injury. And Dante Exum's uh, tweet that we tweeted earlier today from Adrian Wojnarowski, he might miss the whole season. Um, so that, unfortunate for yeah, him. Yeah, and that would be his second fully missed season in his first four years. And yeah, so guy much potential. We just haven't been able to see anything. Yeah, he's shown some promise, but he tore his ACL. I believe going into his second year, and then this would be his fourth year, but he might be out again with an injury. Uh, The doctors and the jazz officials are conferring on what to do as far as recovery options and what his timetable looks like. It's very Joel Embiid-esque, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I hate hate to make the comparison, but you're talking two, two played years out of the four. It's hard not to. Yeah, I mean, not to the same extent as Embiid. Embiid's right. only played 31 games in his first three years. But yeah, there's definitely a comparison. Of course, there. but uh, you know, Embiid's playing this year. Exum's not, so... Well, we'll see what happens with Embiid. You never know. With him. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, I think we got a good little conversation yeah. out of that one. I want to move on to the next question. We got it from uh, someone who was on our podcast once before. I know he was interested in this question from us. Uh, our friend Christian, his at, uh, at name is at McGowan, M-E-G-O-W-A-N, 75. He asked, do you agree with Colin Coward when he said the Lakers have a better roster than the 76ers? And uh, just a quick side thought on this, we got another reply to 
uh, McGowan75's tweet from an at not Tony Taylor, N-O-T-T-O-N-Y-T-O-N-Y, or sorry, Tony Tony, not Tony Tony. Uh, and it says, I'll fight Colin Cowherd. <laughs> so clearly his thoughts on Christian's uh, question was shown right there about his thoughts for Colin Coward. But let's move on to McGowan75's question on, do we agree with Colin Coward when he says the Lakers have a better roster than the 76ers? Go. No, I don't even think it's really debatable. You look at the top of the Sixers roster versus the top of the Lakers roster. Who would you say is the best player on the Sixers? Or who who would you want on your team the most? Is it Simmons, Fultz, or Embiid? It's, um, it's going to have to be Simmons for me. Okay, and then on the Lakers, I'm assuming it's going to be Lonzo Ball, right? Right. Who would you choose between those two? It's It's really tough depending on team need. But if you're looking for one player to change your entire your entire roster, it's going to have to be Ben Simmons. Lonzo makes everybody better around him, but Ben Simmons is the better player. Yeah, Simmons, I don't even think it's... I think Lonzo Ball is going to be a very good player, but I don't think it's that close. I think if Simmons and Ball both reach their full potential... Simmons is a six foot ten power forward who can play the point guard seamlessly, point guard position seamlessly. He has... He was clocked with a better three-quarter court sprint speed than Jordan Clarkson, and I'm sure faster than Lonzo Ball. Definitely. And he's a phenomenal passer. People forget because he missed this whole year, but yeah, I don't think there's any question. It's Simmons. And then he, he you, came out and threw the most beautiful alley oop that I've seen this entire preseason. I believe it was yeah, last game or the game yeah, before. His it first was just game. Like the first, the first thing I was just like, oh my god, that's. He played That's on the point. He played, I think it was like 22 minutes, and he had seven rebounds, nine assists. I think he only had like four or six points, but he was shooting threes. He shot three threes. He missed them, but he, I don't know. I think he took like three threes his entire college career, his freshman year. So he's definitely been working on it, and I assume that he will be making three pointers at at least a decent clip this year. And then it's going to be very hard to stop him. He's someone who can finish either hand at the rim. Um, so yeah, I definitely want Simmons over Ball. And then you look at who the second best player is on each team. You want Embiid or you want Fultz from the Sixers? Fultz. I don't trust Embiid okay. with anything. Yeah, I agree. I think if Embiid didn't have injury problems, he'd probably be ahead of Simmons. But since he does, yeah, I'll take Fultz at number two. And then the Lakers, I'm assuming, Ingram, right? Of course. Okay, so then between those two, who would you rather want? You're going to hate me, but I'm going to say Ingram. <laughs> yeah, you're not making my point here, but yeah, I take Fultz and it's not even that close. I think Ingram has a lot of potential, but again, if Ingram and Fultz both reach their, you know, if Ingram and Fultz both reach their full potential, it's going to be very close between the two. My worry is that Ingram just didn't show much at all his rookie year. I know the second half of the year he looked much better than the first half. And That's he looked the, like a man that shouldn't be playing in summer league when he was playing. He looked yeah. like he was far past that. Yeah, but that was one game, and that was summer league playing against. Under, understood, but yeah. we can only judge the games that we've seen so far. Yeah. So I and then so I, I can agree with you on this. I don't agree with Colin Coward yeah. either. I totally yeah. agree with Seventy Sixers having a better roster than the Lakers, and that sucks for both of us to say, considering we're both Laker fans. But yeah, but we're both realists too. Yeah, with realism, we're both, you know, we do a basketball podcast because we enjoy, you know, teams besides our own and, you know, the analysis of all of this truly, and I don't think it's even close. Yeah, I mean, I like you, I love the Lakers, but 
I try to be as unbiased as I possibly can in this. I know some points maybe it might seem like I'm being a little biased towards the Lakers, but we both do try to have our love for the Lakers not play a factor in our analysis. Um, yeah, I, Sixers over the Lakers, I, unfortunately, I don't even think it's that close. Yeah, so I agree with that. They sucked for so long and tanked <laughs> to get a roster that looks this good on paper. So yeah. you're going to have to give it to them. And I know both of us agree they're going to be making the playoffs this year. You know, yes. Extremely weak East, but it doesn't really matter. They have a good team. Yes. Uh, let's, let's move on to the next question. Uh, I know this was from... Ayala, uh, Ayala Daniela, it's uh, at A-Y-A-L-A-T-A-N-I-E-L-L-A-A. And the question was, will the Cavs trade the Nets pick at some point this season? Uh, as you know, the Cavs picked up the Nets pick in the Kyrie Irving trade from Boston. So what are your thoughts on, do you think the Cavs would be trading that pick at some point? Yeah, that's a... Tough one, I think. I mean, the Nets pick. Great question, yeah, by the way. Yeah, great question. The Nets pick, it's unprotected, so that could be the number one pick in the draft. But yeah. I think if you're Dan Gilbert and the Cavaliers are as good as we expect they will be this year, I think regular season, their record might be the same or even worse than last year. But you got to remember, Isaiah Thomas probably won't be back until around January. And again, they're not trying to prove anything in the regular season, but I think when the playoffs come around, they're going to be a better team than they were last year. They have more depth. They got Dwayne Wade. They got Derrick Rose. They will have Isaiah Thomas back. I'd rather want Kyrie Irving, but Isaiah Thomas is a great player to have. Um, He's so motivated on a contract year, so yeah, of all yeah. years, I want him this year, too. Of course. And so I think if you're Dan Gilbert, you're trying to do anything to convince LeBron James to stay because if LeBron leaves what good is that pick going to be? Even if it ends up being the number one pick, you're not going to win a championship with whoever you get in the draft. The only and, thing that would be good about keeping that pick is that you guarantee that you have a shot in the draft to bring in the next LeBron James, which it won't happen considering he's such a unique player and not, the best in the world. It's just the fact that this might help them rebuild instead of blow it all up. Yeah, but I just think that you're not going to find a player in this draft the top of the draft, it's going to probably be either uh, Michael Porter or um, Marvin Bagley. And no, while both of those players are very good players, neither of them are at nearly the same caliber as LeBron James. I think you bring those in. If you bring one of those players in, you're probably still, especially in the Eastern Conference, you're probably still a playoff team. Especially yeah. if you re-sign Isaiah Thomas. you got Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Love, um, and then let's say... Um, Michael Porter Jr., you wouldn't have Dwayne Wade. I don't know why he would stay in Cleveland if LeBron was gone. So, yeah, you probably... No, he's there just for LeBron. I, I agree with you in having off. to keep LeBron under yeah. any circumstances. So, I think, I think they trade it. I, I think if I have to choose, I think that they will trade it, but I'm not feeling extremely strongly about that, but I do think it makes sense for them to trade. I'd give it like a... 65% chance that they traded because they could get a really good player in return for this year. Right. Uh, think about if you do keep it, you aren't replacing LeBron James, of course. You're just helping not go through some sort of process that's kind of to lessen the blow yeah, of it. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to look at it as this is LeBron James's predecessor, which of course people are going to. But you trade that for DeMarcus Cousins or someone that's oh, willing to take course. that pick yes. all day. 
Even even with the threat of Cousins leaving too after this year, you'd do that in a heartbeat. If it's like I, Tristan I totally Thompson agree. and the draft pick to make the salaries work for Cousins, no question. So what, I totally agree. what percentage would you give the Cavs that they trade that pick this year? Mm, 70. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 70 to 30, and the 30% I would understand as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, moving on to the next one. We got a question from at Lexi Alyssa Dean. That's L-E-X-I underscore A-L-Y-S-S-A-D-E-A-N. How do you see Carmelo and Paul George fitting on the Thunder? Uh, I'm going to start this one off okay. considering how intrigued I am with Carmelo and Paul George on the Thunder. I see it working out great. I see them being the number two seed this year and being the only team that's even within distance of the Cavs or Warriors, and I think they're right there with the Cavs. Um, I think it's going to fit great. The only thing that makes me happy about this is the fact that Russell Westbrook is so good at distributing the ball. It was just the fact that there was no one to distribute the ball to last year, and it almost was sad seeing this man run around and put 150% out there and have no one else help him. And him still almost be, you know, be almost beating the Rockets in these games in the first, you know, first round of the playoffs. Obviously, they the series didn't look so close on paper, but these. I remember these games ending in like three points for him. It was all because of Westbrook. Now he's got some of the best spot-up shooters around and some of the best guys with the ball in their hands. I know that it's going to be weird to have to give the ball to the three of them. And, you know, I feel when they're looking for the last shot in the fourth quarter, it's going to be like everyone with their guns out. Just who's going to shoot here? Like a standoff on who's going to get this last shot. But I just see it working out. So much talent there. I love Adams at the center position. I love Robertson, who's a great defender, and some of the other players that they have on that roster. You know, shout out to their GM for really making all of this happen. It's such a small market with limited assets. Kudos to building this type of team and even giving them a shot at the title. The only time they had something like this, they got lucky, and that was with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden all through the draft. So this was something that they built themselves, and they need to be proud of that, and I see it fitting great. And I think it's going to take one more year after this before I I think that they beat the Warriors, <laughs> but they don't beat them this year, but I see them playing each other in the championship. I know that's a bold statement, but I already made my bold statement last time, and they're the type of team that can beat the, the uh, Warriors, even if they aren't necessarily as great of a team. I think the Warriors are the best team ever assembled, but... They are they can be vulnerable and every team can be beat and I think of all teams put together the Cavs obviously are making a great run this year due to the fact that they loaded up their team as well but I don't see Carmelo or Paul, or Paul George leaving I know it's going to be so tough for them to keep all of them around in the next uh, off season but I see them making something happen to give us another shot instead of just this year uh, so I, I see them fitting great on the Thunder and it's I, I love the moves for Oklahoma City it's so great for them as a franchise they deserve it. Uh, so how do you feel about Carmelo and Paul George on the Thunder, Corbin? Yeah, Sam Presti did an incredible job this offseason. We talked about it in our last podcast, but it's much more impressive than as far as the job he did than when they had Kevin Durant, Harden, and Westbrook together because that was all through the draft. This was having to figure out a way to make deals to get these players to come to the team. So it was more impressive from a GM standpoint, I think, this year. Having said that, I think... Paul George is going to fit very well with the Thunder. I think that having 
another superstar on this team. And Carmelo Anthony, not superstar, but still a very good player. One of the That's, most underrated stars in the league, let me say. I'm yeah. not saying superstar, yeah. star. Yeah, just he's been forgotten. It's clear with how ESPN ranked Lonzo Ball ahead of him just because he was <laughs> in New York. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Still can't believe that. Yeah. So I think for Paul George, it's going to be great. I think I have him on one of my all-NBA teams for this year. I'll say which one when we get further into the predictions. But I think that he's going to be able to focus a lot more of his energy on defense, having Russell Westbrook be able to take a lot of the scoring load off. And I don't think that his overall numbers as far as points per game are really going to struggle that much. But I think it's going to be really good for Paul George. Carmelo Anthony, I think it's going to be kind of on and off on a game-by-game basis. Carmelo, I just think he's really going to struggle having to defer to two other stars who are clearly much better than him. He has never been on a team before where he has had a player that is clearly better than him before. People could argue about last year how maybe Porzingis was better than him, but you couldn't say definitively that he was. This year, and I know Paul George has never had that either, but Paul George is not the same type of player as Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony needs to score to be effective, Paul George can affect the game in so many ways other than but just Russell scoring. Westbrook would have averaged 20 assists a game last year, I swear, if anyone was able to make a shot around him. Yeah. And you have Carmelo Anthony, who's one, like, I would say what you want about him, he's one of the better shooters that's in the league right now. When he's you put, a, the ball in his, put the ball in his hand in the fourth quarter, he's going to make it. Yeah, that's where I think, I think that, uh, that's why I said kind of on and off, because yeah. depending on how his shooting is going to be, he can be somewhat of a streaky shooter. He's a good shooter, but... If his shot isn't falling, like I said, he just can't do much else defensively. It's He's going to be playing the four, which will be better for him. I think defensively he's much better off guarding fours than threes. But I, I don't know. I see it being a, kind of a tough transition for him. What Kamala. intrigues me is the thought of, let's say, obviously they're all going to start together. Yeah. Let's say they take off one of these players off the court for whatever reason, for rest, anything. And let's say it's just Paul George and Westbrook or just Carmelo and Westbrook. And one of them's on the bench for a second. And when they do end up rotating in, let's say another one of them goes out or let's say both of them goes out and you see Carmelo leading the second unit or Paul George leading the second unit or a mixture of starters and the second unit between the two and to see how these players kind of play depending on who's on the court. I see it being very strategic and that's what I'm so excited to see because any of these three players can lead any rotation at any time. And imagine, I don't even know how they're going to play together. So the thought of this is driving me nuts in the best way possible. Yeah, I think I think it makes the most sense for Carmelo to be subbed out first and then for him to kind of lead the second unit just so I he agree. can focus on what he does best, which is scoring. Um, so yeah, I mean... And, play, and keep Robertson out there to make up for Carmelo's lack of defense. Yeah, it's not like Carmelo's going to have a terrible year. I just think it's going to be yeah. tough, at least initially, for him to transition. I think he's going to enjoy winning. That's yeah. what he's going to enjoy. Uh, so let's move on to our last question. It's from at EU underscore Young, Y-O-U-N-G, another underscore Savage, S-A-V-A-G-E. Uh, the question is, who's going to win the MVP this year? So that's going to segue us very nicely into our season predictions, but uh, who is your thought to win the MVP this year? Yeah, so that's a great segue into our first part of the NBA season preview. We have a lot of predictions that Perry and I have both 
filled out on a Google Doc, so we will be keeping track of this, and we're going to revisit this after the season is over to see who was right about more stuff this year. So we have different points that will be assigned to each question for these awards. It's going to be out of 100 points, and we're going to tally up all of the points. We have other smaller questions, which we'll get to. These are little just five-point questions. Um, and we'll try and fly through all this as fast as possible. Yeah. But we do have a ton so, to cover due to the fact that this is going to be the best season ever. Yes. So. so for MVP, it's out of 100 points. Perry and I, and for all of these awards, out of 100 points, um, Perry and I both listed five players in order of who we think will win the most. So I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number one, if he wins, I get 100 points. My number two yeah, guy... Yeah, he's, he's, my, he's not my number one yeah. also. Just going to let that out right now. So if my number five guy wins, I'd get 20 points. So number one, we both have Giannis. Number two, I have Westbrook. Uh, what about you, Perry? I have LeBron for number two. I think it's going to be his... Uh, if he does win, it's going to be his final MVP. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have LeBron at number three. I think uh, he played the most minutes in the NBA last year per game, so... Especially with Kyrie gone, I could see him kind of trying to drive a point home that, hey, you want to play with me. So, who was your number three? Uh, my number three is James Harden. Uh, I know he was uh, so close to winning it last year, and with Chris Paul there, I see him thriving even more. I know you have a problem in you know imagining the two of them coexisting on the same team, but Chris Paul has never been known to score the basket all too much. He's been such a great distributor. He'll put up a double-double, but he'll be right around like 10 to 15 points. Like That's it. James Harden's the kind of guy that needs to score, but he also can uh, contribute, and he also was rebounding the ball very well last year, and defense doesn't go into MVP very much, so I see James Harden really thriving on the fact that Chris Paul is going to make plays to get the ball to Harden as well, when no one really was able to make those plays, and he was kind of the only true point guard on that team. Now he's going to be able to flirt a little bit with being the number two again. I really, I, if anything, James Harden and LeBron were neck and neck for my two and three, but I think James Harden's going to put up an amazing year this year. Yeah, I didn't even have Harden in my top five. Like you said, I just don't, I don't think it's going to work out as well as you do with Harden and right. Paul on the same team. Paul average, I think it was around like 18 or 20 points per game last year. And then Harden, he's just, he's, the most effective when he has the ball in his hands. He's more of a shot creator on his own than waiting for someone else to create an open look for him. I'd rather want him shooting off the dribble almost rather than having him just spotting up and shooting. As They're both going to be point sounds. guards, though. Yeah, I just I don't think it's going to work. You do. We'll see. That's why we're making these predictions. So my number four, I have Kevin Durant. I think last year when he was with the Warriors, he had his most effective season and that was no surprise, but his scoring really didn't suffer that much. He missed about 20 games with a knee injury, and I just think if he stays healthy this year, then, yeah, there's a chance where I could see him definitely winning MVP. And that's the difference for uh, my list. I know you have James Harden far off your list. I have Kevin Durant far off my list, and I know that's saying a lot for wow. the second-best player in the league, and that's me saying I know he's the second-best player in the league besides LeBron James. I just don't like him on Golden State when it comes to winning personal accolades, when it comes to winning championships, and, of course, when it comes to winning a final MVP, I'll take Kevin Durant all day. He needs the ball in his hands, and he's going to win that championship for you. I see Curry having a better year than last year, 
And I know that's, I'm not saying Curry struggled much last year, but I see him, I see them coexisting and with so much more talent on their roster and they have such a deep team. And I just don't see Kevin Durant putting up the same type of numbers as a Russell Westbrook or Giannis or LeBron, Harden, any of these players. I, I really just don't like him for personal accolades anymore for anything except for, but he's going to be winning for the rest of his career if he stays there, but I don't like him for MVP. Okay. Uh, yeah, number five to round out my list, I got Kawhi Leonard. I think the Spurs are still going to be one of the top teams in the West. Kawhi Leonard had an incredible year. Last year, I think he finished number three in MVP voting. And yeah, I'm still going to keep him on my list. What about yeah, you? Yeah, so, uh, so I know I just talked about Kevin Durant, but didn't say who my number four was. That oh, was yeah. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, for me, he's my four. I love how he played last year. I think he's going to step it up even more this year. Every, if you look at his numbers throughout the first years of his career, it's gone up significantly in every year's points per game, as well as the offensive efficiency, all of the things across the board. He's might be the best all-around player in the league, and that's saying a lot due to the fact that this dude, they call him the crane. His defensive ability, I used to be a, a defensive-oriented player when I played back in the day. I love seeing defensive-oriented players that really make a clear difference on there and that's so underrated when it comes to mvp because the fact that you put up 30 points a game and 55 assists and this and that and people go crazy about those numbers just like with westbrook and harden last year but when you're looking at all around complete players there's no other player that's like Kawhi leonard what are they what, are they, what do they call him the crane don't they call him the claw <laughs> Uh, I thought it was the crane. No, because he has huge hands, so that's why he's called okay, the claw. Okay, well, the but. claw. Either one. It's the same, <laughs> same type of thing. That dude, literally, I've watched him pickpocket so many players yeah. in my games watching my phone on the uh, mistake for the nickname Mr. Leonard. But either way, you're on number four on my MVP list, so you can't hate me too much. <laughs> uh, and my number five, I have Russell Westbrook. I know it's someone that was a lot higher on your list, but... Like what I said with Paul George and with Carmelo, I see Russell Westbrook taking a dip in points per game. I see him staying right where he was, if not maybe a little bit more with the assists. And of course, rebounds too. That dude's all over the place, but he's going to really find a way to coexist with these players. He wants to win. I don't think he cares about winning MVP. I think he cared about breaking the record last year for triple doubles, and that was shown due to his play on the phoenix game when he was trying to kind of pad his stats a little bit to get the, that triple double i didn't like that but either way that's one of the best players in the world right now i just see him having to a, a superstar and a star on his team in paul george and carmel anthony and they're going to take away too much from him to put him above five for me for mvp i don't see him cracking the top three okay all right let's move on to defensive player of the year again this one's worth 100 points so i will start off with my number one, I have Draymond Green at number one. He won it last year. He finished second to Kawhi Leonard, I think, two years in a row. Um, uh-huh. He He's incredible what he can do defensively. He's an undersized power forward, but yet he's able to guard fours, fives, threes. He can guard every position. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the advanced metrics on him. Last year he was clearly the best defensive player in the league, and I don't think that it will be him clearly ahead of everyone else this year, but I still think he's going to win. Nothing's going to change with Golden State as long as everyone's healthy. Who's your number one? Yeah, mine was really close between my one and my number two, both names that you just mentioned. I have Kawhi Leonard winning this year. I know Draymond took it last year, and he had an amazing defensive year. 
I know me and you both call him a Swiss Army knife. Draymond Green is a player yeah. unlike any other who knows how he fits in the way he does, how he's effective as he is coming out of Michigan State. Nobody expected a second-round pick to play the way that he's playing for the championship Warriors. He's such an important part of that team, and we saw that when he wasn't playing, when they played the Cavs, and the Cavs took them down. Draymond Green not being there made a huge difference. But I got Kawhi edging him out this year, and Draymond's number two for me. Um, Kawhi is just a special kind of defender. I see him having the best year of his career by far this year, possibly even winning that MVP, and definitely getting in that top three maybe. But either way, Kawhi is going to make a lot of you know headway this year. And on the defensive end, he's the best defender in the league, in my opinion. I think he's going to win it this year. Yeah, I have Kawhi at number two, so it was pretty close. You look at yeah. the stats from last year, especially the advanced analytics on Kawhi Leonard. He actually had a really down year defensively, and I think some of that was just so much of his focus and his energy had to be on offense. Um, I think part of that was Tony Parker still starting. Tony Parker's not nearly the player that he used to be this year with Parker being injured coming off of that torn hamstring. I don't know exactly when he'll be back, but I think... I think Pat, Patty Mills are going to... Yeah, really if, if Patty Mills doesn't over. start, he's going to be playing more minutes than Tony Parker still. Yeah. And that's going to allow Kawhi Leonard to at least focus more of his energy on defense. I still think he's going to have to do so much offensively that he just won't be able to be the defensive player of the year, but he's incredible. Incredible perimeter defender. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, that's the same with my number two being Draymond. So I know we both have the, those two flips. My number three is Rudy Gobert. Um, I love him at Utah. He's so long and he's so quick for a center to watch him make up on the pick and rolls and have him sneak behind players and always. He's got one of that. He's got one of those defensive presence that you don't want to go down low. You want to play around him. He makes a difference to where he's like a wall down low. I don't even remember the last time I saw a center be as agile and as long as him and create such a wall in regards to the offense having to work around him. I don't know, just the way he worked last year with how the numbers jumped up, especially for blocks. I think he's got a huge shot of winning it this year, but I have him at number three. Yeah, I got to go bear at number three too. I think uh, just his presence in the middle. Um, he's an incredible rim protector. I think he graded out as the number one or number two rim protector in the league last year between him and Embiid. Um, so, yeah, I got him at number three. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I have a uh, – who do you have for number four? Let's move on to that. Yeah, number four I got DeAndre Jordan. He's been a okay. defensive player of the year candidate each year, I think, without Chris Paul there. They still have Patrick Beverly there, so defensively from the point guard position you aren't going to be seeing – much more you might even see a little less penetration from the point guard into the paint because Beverly is such a great defensive player but um, DeAndre Jordan is incredible with protecting the rim and also people don't realize this but part of defense is rebounding rebounding so that you can stop the team from getting those second chance points and DeAndre Jordan I think he's going to be leading the league in rebounds this year, so that's definitely going to help his cause. Who do you have at number okay, four? The, the person I have leading for rebounds this year, Hassan Whiteside okay. on Miami. I have him at number four. He's such a presence down low, and he reminds me, uh, just like what I said about Gobert, uh, Gobert a lot, 
of just such, such a powerful defensive presence down low and such a great rim protector and such a great rebounder as well as you were just saying about DeAndre Jordan. And number five, I'm going to just segue that from the conversation we just had about Jordan and one of his teammates. I have Patrick Beverly at number five. I know that might surprise you a little bit, but not too much. I have him at number five. I think he's going to have his best defensive year of his career this year, and has and he's been waiting to get out of Houston and get to a good situation. I could tell how happy he is in LA with how uh, he's been on social media, how he's you know talked about this rivalry, wanting to play Lonzo, and who wants to run LA kind of thing. I love it. I love his, him being such a big part of that Chris Ball trade, and I think that's going to take away some of the defensive shine from DeAndre Jordan, and that's why I have Patrick Beverly wrapping it up at five. Okay. So I actually have who you had at number four at number five, Hassan Whiteside. So you mentioned that you think he will lead the league in rebounds this year. He led the league in rebounds yes. last year. Uh, uh-huh. The only thing with him is just that he's so slow with – having to guard the pick and roll is where he really struggles just because he's not that mobile. He's not able to move his feet very quickly. And I just think that's, what's really going to weigh him down because voters have gotten much smarter of late of not just looking at who has the most blocks and steals per game, but actually looking to see, are they making an impact defensively with just shutting down their man and not letting them score at a high percentage and off the and pick that's, and roll. That's, that's why I love about Gobert so much, just how, yeah, yeah. how he can spread the floor and glide so easily and so quickly for his yeah, size. Seven foot two, so long right. wingspan too. Yeah, let's okay. move on to most improved player. So, Perry, who do you have as your most improved player this year? I, I had a lot of fun with this list, uh, thinking about the possibility of who can break out this year. That's my favorite. Uh, I have Miles Turner at number one. The he's going to have such a year with Paul George not in Indiana anymore and with him on the Thunder trio um, Miles Turner's really going to show that he really showed last year that he was taking the reins already and I saw that it was a clear clear transition already and now it's just going to jump so much quicker than people anticipated because of the fact that Paul George just isn't there and there's such a hole in their offense for a le- and in their leadership role, and Miles Turner is going to step up on all aspects. He's winning this award. What do you think? Yeah, I think Miles Turner is going to have a great year, but I think D'Angelo Russell is going to win this award. I thought that he was going to win it last year. Um, he didn't get as much opportunity as far as just free reign with the ball last year, but I think with the Nets, they're going to be playing basically to D'Angelo Russell's strengths. They're going to be doing a lot of pick and roll, which is something that D'Angelo Russell is really good at. He is the only player on that team with any star power whatsoever. And I'm not saying that D'Angelo Russell is an all-star, but I really like his game for how young he is, and I just think he hasn't been able to show that yet. And with the Nets this year and Kenny Atkinson's system, he's going to show that, and he's going to win most improved player. Yeah, I love all of your points on him. That's why he's my number two. I have D'Angelo Russell right there. It was really close between Miles Turner and him for me for the same reasons that you just gave. And I just love him in a new system with a young coach and him being the star. He's going to thrive. Um, so who do you have number three? Uh, at number two? Oh, sorry, number two. Yeah, number two, I have Chris Stapps Porzingis. I think he's a, he's a very good player. I'm not as high on him as some people are. But without Carmelo Anthony around, they signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to that ridiculous contract. Joakim Noah's out for 20 games, I believe, with some PED suspension. But when he comes back, 
you're not relying on him for much at all. So it's basically just Porzingis. So it's the similar kind of situation as D'Angelo Russell. And I think Porzingis is really going to shine individually for a Knicks team that will not be shining much collectively at all. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so for number three, I have Brandon Ingram on the Lakers. I see him taking such a leadership role this year, and I see Lonzo Ball making him a better player in his own right, and him really, his numbers jumping to that point, that will push him to most improved player. But from what I saw at the end of last year, in just that one summer league game, he looked like a different player, and I know that he came into camp looking a tiny bit bigger uh, in regards to strength. I know he looked a little quicker. A lot of these things are all speculation, of course, but I know that he was apparently grew two inches as well. Brandon Ingram is paced for a great year. Hopefully he puts it all together this year and truly becomes that face of the Lakers now that D'Angelo Russell's gone, and he's in a better situation as well as we were talking about, but I see Brandon Ingram right there as well. He's my number three. Yeah, there was that report that he had grown two inches. Unfortunately for Lakers fans, that was uh, proven to be false. Um, but yeah, I have Ingram at number three. It was tough for me between Ingram at number three and I got Miles Turner at four. But Ingram, yeah, like you mentioned in Summer League, he looked good, albeit it was only one game. But he does look like he's put on some muscle, which is the thing that he really needed to work on. He's adjusted his shot. It's a quicker shot and... It's not as, it's a different form and it just, it looks a lot more fluid than it did last year. So that's definitely very, very good sign. Um, and then, yeah, I mentioned Miles Turner at number four. No Paul George in Indiana. Miles Turner is the best player on that team, which is odd to say for someone who is only going into their third year. And he was, I think, just barely a lottery pick that year too, but he is a really good player, and without Paul George there, they're going to be relying on Miles Turner to do pretty much everything for them, and he's going to have a great year. So he's my number four. Who is your number four? My number four is Gary Harris, the only other shooting guard. I would say the only new shooting guard that – the only one that is more intriguing than Gary Harris to me is Devin Booker, and there's no way that he's winning the Most Approved Player Award with how he played last year. I see him improving, but nowhere like that. Gary Harris is such a fun, exciting player to watch for Denver, and I see him really taking that next step this year and his numbers flying up. Uh, him and Jokic, uh, the Joker down low, they really are a special young duo for me to watch, and now that they got Paul uh, Millsap down there as well, I'm really intrigued by the Nuggets, and I think Gary Harris is just it's all going to click for him this year. Yeah, so at number five, I I considered Gary Harris, but I'm actually going to go with his teammate, Jamal Murray. The Nuggets have so much talent at the guard position, young talent. They got Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and then Emmanuel Moutier, who is kind of disappointed up until now. but He's had a good uh, preseason. Yeah, and I mean, take it for what it's worth, but... Yeah, Moutier, if he just he struggled last year with his shot. I think he shot the lowest field goal percentage of any player. Um, but you see the talents there. He's very athletic. But Jamal Murray, yeah, I got him at number five. Such such a great shooter. And I think with Nikola Jokic being another year older, another year more talented, them adding Paul Millsap, it's going to take attention off of Murray. He's going to have a lot of open looks. And that's how he's going to get into this most improved player discussion. Who do you have at number five, Perry? I, I like 
that pick. Uh, mine is Chris Napoleon is someone you had a little bit higher, yeah. same reasons as you, just a giant hole in New York now that's not going to be filled by Carmelo Anthony anymore, and it's Chris Napoleon is his team now, so I see him his numbers jumping as well. Let's okay. move on to the next one. I know we have Rookie of the Year. Uh, why don't you name your number one? Yeah, so Rookie of the Year, I got Ben Simmons at number one, and I know... A lot of people, the NBA GMs, they had their yearly vote on different awards and who's going to win the championship and everything like that. And they had Lonzo Ball winning the Rookie of the Year. Markel Fultz didn't even receive a vote. I thought that that was kind of odd. But yeah, I got Ben Simmons winning it. I think the Sixers are going to make the playoffs. The Lakers are not. So that's going to help Simmons' case. Simmons is going to be the probably the best player on the Sixers. It just depends if Embiid stays healthy or not. But Simmons is such a unique talent. And I just think he does so much and he's going to be putting up really good numbers for the Sixers. So yeah, I have him number one. Who who do you have number one, Perry? I have him at number one also. Same reasons as you and from what I've seen so far in uh, the preseason games that I've watched, he's a 6'10 man with great yeah. vision. And he's motivated due to the fact that he was the number one pick, didn't play an entire year, and now he's got another shot at Rookie of the Year. I see him winning it. And at number two, I have Lonzo Ball. Um, assuming you probably have Lonzo at number two as well. But, yes. you know, the triple-double machine for the Lakers, <laughs> making everyone else better around him, I love what he brings. Yeah, I love it too. You can see from the preseason the Lakers are just a much different player when Lonzo Ball is on the court than when he isn't on the court. His ability to push the ball and get people out in the open and fast break. And I think a lot of that just stems from with Lonzo Ball, you know if you're running the floor, you're going to get the ball from him. So that really just gets players to get out on the break and run. Um, but I just think that with how the Lakers are going to finish record-wise, I don't think it's going to be enough to overcome Ben Simmons. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah. Ben's definitely going to win it. Who do you have number three? Number three, I got Mark Fultz. So Ben Simmons' teammate. I think this is a very unique season in that there's never been two players, I don't believe, from the same team to be first-team all-rookie. Um, but I think that the Sixers could definitely do that this year with Simmons and Fultz. I think Fultz hasn't shown too much so far in the preseason. He... Showed somewhat in the summer league. I think he had at least a game or two of 20 points. Um, it might take him a little bit of time to adjust, but he put up historic numbers for a freshman at Washington. I know Washington didn't win last year in college basketball. But he was but clearly the yeah, best player and, in and the neither, 12 Neither did LSU. LSU didn't win with Ben Simmons, but we still have Simmons number one, and we think he's going to be that a takes, And that takes us to a different debate of why yeah, are players like yeah. this going to different schools. But uh, for me, I have Marco Fultz a little bit lower on my list. Number three for me is Dennis Smith Jr., someone that I'm so high on that I've been high on since before this entire draft process. Showed so much last year at NC State. And this year, being on the Mavericks, I know that I know the record comes into a little bit of play, hence why you said Lonzo Ball, it's just not going to be enough for him. I don't think that's even going to matter for Dennis Smith Jr. I think he's going to just be the clear best player on the Mavericks. And I know that there's a lot of talent, young talent there, that's waiting to emerge, but Dennis Smith Jr. is just a special talent, and I see him putting up crazy numbers this year regardless and I, he's more of a two in my head but he's gonna play the one but it's he's just a scoring 
he's got that instinct to score, even though he's a point guard. I don't know. I just something else about Dennis Smith Jr. I see him being so intriguing all year. I know he's kind of gotten downplayed a little bit after the draft. I wish he went to the Knicks, but either way, he's on a position to where he can put up some serious numbers. But uh, who's your number four? Yeah, I have Dennis Smith at four, so I know you had him okay. at three. I love Dennis Smith Jr., and I love him as a point guard. Like you said, he's a scoring guard, but he is someone who I think is going to be lethal in the pick and roll just because of his athleticism. And it's weird just thinking about this year making predictions for Rookie of the Year versus last year. Last year, the incoming rookie class was so weak at Kind of so seemed weak. like it was going to be between Ingram and Simmons for Rookie of the Year, and then when Simmons got injured, it was like Ingram was going to win it by default. Obviously, that didn't happen because Ingram himself had a really weak rookie year. Um, but this year, it, it wouldn't surprise me if anyone in my top five ends up winning Rookie of the Year, and that's just because of how strong this class is. Yeah, so, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone out of both of our yeah, top five yeah. wins Rookie of the Year. That's the scary part. Yeah, there's a ton of talent in this rookie class. So, so uh, said, moving on yeah, to my number four, number four, I got someone that's about to jump off the page for you, but I know you're going to love hearing the name. We got Kyle Kuzma from Los Angeles on there. And there is another player I know you were talking about, Ben Simmons and Marco Fultz, being two that are technically rookies, making that kind of difference on that same team. I see the same thing happening for Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, if anything, Kyle Kuzma might have a better year. Not an all-around year, but when it comes to scoring, that might be our number one option. And I'm being 100%. Uh, looking at the preseason so far, he has led the team in every single game. Looking at the Summer League, he was the Summer League MVP. So far in the samples that we've seen, and I know I was very high of him coming out of Utah, he's doing everything he can to give himself a run give all these other players a run for their money for rookie of the year. I got him at number four just to the fact that he's an offensive machine and he works extremely hard. And I see him and Lonzo Ball just feeding off each other so well. And I see him putting up enough numbers to be in this conversation for sure. And at number five, I'm going to finish mine before you go to your number five. I know I have Marco Fultz rounding that list. Amazing talent. Haven't been able to see as much as I'd like to, to give as much analysis as I'd like over Fultz. But he was clearly the number one pick for a reason this year, and I really think he's going to put up a great year, regardless of the fact that Ben Simmons is there, that Joel Embiid is there, that there is other talent on the 76ers. I see Markel Fultz still being Markel Fultz, so he'll be a number five. But yeah, Kyle Kuzma was my little shocker for this, a number four, and I couldn't be happier as a Laker fan that we were able to sneak <laughs> away with him in the high 20s. Yeah, I actually considered having Kuzma in the top five, top five but... I just couldn't put him over who my number five is Josh Jackson or De'Aaron Fox. And I think Jason Tatum, I'd probably put ahead of Kuzma. I'd rather want Tatum than Kuzma, but yeah, Tatum, I'm thinking about it. I'm surprised Tatum, Tatum's not on well, either of our Tatum, lists. Tatum's just in a much tougher spot because the Celtics right. are a playoff, obvious playoff team. You could argue an actual championship contender. I know they'll finish near the top of the East, but they just have much more talent than these other teams. Uh, Kuzma's had, an extremely impressive preseason. I was skeptical if that could carry over from Summer League where he shot 48% from three and averaged around 20 points per game. But so far in the preseason through three games, he's averaging 22 points per game on 66% shooting from the field and 47% shooting from three. So it looks like, yeah, he's definitely going to be a really good player in this league. And I really hope he does, but we'll see. So yeah, I had Josh Jackson at number five. Um, it was kind of a toss-up between him and um, De'Aaron Fox on the Kings, but 
I went with Josh Jackson, six foot eight, um, has very good vision for a wing, and I love what he does defensively. Obviously, the reason why I don't have him on my list is because I like Phoenix too much when it comes to the talent that they have there. I know that they're not going to win the way that we hope they do this year, but it's just a matter of time with Devin Booker leading the way there and with other young talent around. I just don't see Jackson having enough to break that list for me, but he's going to have a great year and he's going to be amazing on the defensive end, which they need some serious help on. Uh, Let's move on to coach of the year. Uh, I got number one. I got Billy Donovan. Uh, He's, I think the clear winner this year, and I'd be shocked if you had somebody else as your number one. He's got such a great team on his hands that, He's just the shoe-in winner, and he just got lucky that the GM blessed him <laughs> with such a great situation. Yeah, I think it just all depends on um, if you think that the Thunder are going to be able to mesh well together or not. And I know I mentioned earlier I thought Carmelo would struggle a little, but overall I do think the Thunder are going to have a really good season, so I have Billy Donovan at number one, too. At number two, I got Brett Brown from the, uh, the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Sixers, I think... That I would be very surprised if they did not make the playoffs this year, with especially how weak the East is. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think he should definitely get a lot of consideration for Coach of the Year. Who's your number two? I got Brad Stevens. Just again, blessed with a great team and a great situation, and he's going to thrive as a coach with a blessed roster. I really don't know how else to explain it except for the fact that these coaches are getting such great teams that it doesn't really matter how good of coaches there are. Just like Eric Spolstra maybe just became a good coach like this year or the year before, but LeBron was pretty much the coach when he was there. He just got blessed that he was there riding along with the coattail, just how Tyron Lue is. So uh, I don't have much love for those coaches, but Brad Stevens is a great coach on his own, and he's, again, blessed with a great situation. So I have him at number two. Okay. Yeah, I got Brad Stevens at number three. You look at what he's been able to do with the Celtics each year. They have improved their win total every year. I think they started at 25 wins under him, then they moved up to 40 wins, then I believe it was 52. Um, they just, they've improved each year, and they have not had nearly as much talent on their roster as they will this year. The addition of Gordon Hayward, trading Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder for Kyrie Irving, um, also getting Jason Tatum through the draft, uh, Jalen Brown's going to be a year older. He's definitely going to have a lot of consideration for Coach of the Year. Who do you have at number three? Uh, someone that you're going to hate, Mike D'Antoni <laughs> on Houston. I see him. He's the point guard guru. That's literally what he is known for around the league. The fact that he's the best point guard coach in the league, and that's been that's well respected around the league. He's about to somehow take Chris Paul and new the new point guard of 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 Harden, and he's somehow going to make them coexist. With such precision and beauty, I don't even know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it, and it's going to look great, and they're going to win, and they're going to go you know, decently far in the playoffs, nothing too special, but he's, he's definitely going to put in enough for Coach of the Year with what he's going to be able to do with Chris Paul and with Harden. It's going to be amazing to watch. Uh, and at, at number four, I have Greg Popovich. Uh, Pop, one of the best coaches of all time. It's just a shoe-in that every single year he's going to be in the top fives. That's literally the only reason why I have him there. You can't ever go wrong with Greg Popovich. And he's like a robot, and the players that play for him are like robots, and it's never going to change. And I see them having another great year and finishing at two or three like they usually do. So, Yeah, really quickly with Mike D'Antoni, I just 
I don't have it on my list because I just don't think it's going to work the way that you think it will with the Rockets, plain and simple. I know. I don't like D'Antoni as a coach anyways. When he coached the Lakers, he was horrible, but I'm not going to go off on that ten- tangent right now. He's the point guard whisper. We didn't even have a point guard. <laughs> yeah, but no defense at all. So, number four, yeah, I got Greg Popovich. For my money, he is the best coach of all time. You look at the talent that he's had on his teams. Yes, Tim Duncan is a Hall of Famer and the best power forward of all time. But other than that, yeah, wow. David David Robinson was a very good player, a very good center too. But he had him until 03. He won two championships with him, but the second championship last year of Robinson's career, he wasn't the player that he used to be. Other than that, you got your two other best players, Tony Parker, who, if he was not on the Spurs with Popovich, he would not be a Hall of Famer. Monta Ginobili would not be a Hall of Famer. I know, that's what I'm saying, and that's just adding to my point. Because they were on the Spurs with Greg Popovich, and Greg Popovich, I say this all the time, that good coaches get their players to adapt to their system. Great coaches adapt their system to their players. And you see with Greg Popovich, back in the early 2000s, the Spurs were a very defensive-oriented team which tried to slow down the game and have these games end in the high 80s, low 90s. Now they're um, just a beautiful team to watch offensively, the way they're able to move the ball. And yes, they still focus on defense. They still have Kawhi Leonard. But offensively, it's just a completely different team than it used to be. And that's all because of Popovich. But for yeah, this I year, agree. He, he could be the best of all time. Yeah. And I wouldn't argue with yeah. you on but, that either. So. But for this year, just, I mean, you kind of take Popovich for granted, but the Spurs are it's still going to be a blessed, great team. It's situations. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, so he's uh, number four. Number five, I got Eric Spolstra of the Heat. What he was able to do last year was incredible, taking the Heat from their first 41 games where they went 11-30 and 30, to their last 41 games where they went 30-11, and 11, just barely missing out on the playoffs. I thought even though they didn't make the playoffs, if he had won by, coach of the, the year. It was by the last game. Yeah, decided, yeah. So. If he had won coach of the year last year, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. I understand why D'Antoni won, but I think Spolstra is going to have another great year coaching. Who do you have yeah, at number I mean, five? Spolstra, Spolstra only learned how to coach like two years ago. LeBron James was the <laughs> coach when he was there. I'm, I'm, t- I'm totally just pull, uh, joking around. Spolstra deserves all the credit for last year, how he turned the team. It doesn't have a ton of talent yeah. to almost a playoff team. And I do joke around about LeBron being there. But you don't need to coach as hard as you can when you have LeBron and Wade and all those other <laughs> players. You're just going to get those championships handed to you. But now when he doesn't have that team anymore, he has shown the type of coach that he is. So I can see that too. I just don't see the Heat doing anything special this year. Uh, I have Brett Brown rounding out my number five, just like I know you had him at number two. He's going to take a team that's never been good uh, in – most of these people are hasn't been good anytime lately to a playoff team in a week east, of course, but with a team that, you know, he's a coach that players want to play for. He's a player's coach. I see them working very hard for him this year and cracking the playoffs. I don't see him doing all that great in the playoffs, but we're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers here and the word playoffs. So <laughs> yeah, I see Brett Brown definitely point. being consideration. All right, let's move on to six men of the year. I know mine starts off with Lou Williams. Love the new situation that he's in. Because I know my number two, I'm going to give that up now, is Eric Gordon. The two of them were on the same team last yeah. year when you uh, round out the year. And that's crazy to think. Our number one and uh, my number one and my number one and my number two choice for sixth man of the year were the sixth and seventh man last year for the Houston Rockets. So 
Lou Williams being in a new situation, I see him thriving. And Eric Gordon just showed what an insane defense, uh, what, an, what an insane bench player he was last year. He should start on most teams, but he's just this special weapon they have off the bench. And that's why it's going to be between them two, and it's going to be fun to watch the two of them compete for it. But they're definitely by far the two best six men in the league right now. Yeah, I think last year they finished 1-2 and 6-man, and if Lou Williams hadn't been traded to the Rockets from the Lakers, he might have beat out Eric Gordon last year. Uh Lou Williams, I agree. I have Lou Williams number one, Eric Gordon number two as well, and I am assuming Lou Williams is going to come off the bench, and that's assuming Austin Rivers will start at the two along with uh, Patrick Beverly. So Yeah, Yeah, so I got Lou Williams, well, Doc, uh, I don't know, maybe Doc's wife might Persuade him that he Doc's needs to. Doc's played favorites this whole time, and he's <laughs> yeah. going to continue to play favorites. Yeah, she might uh, force him to start their son. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got Lou at number one, Eric Gordon number two. Number three, I got Andre Godala from the Warriors. He signed a three-year, $48 million deal with the Warriors last year to stay in the Bay Area with them. He doesn't have eye-popping numbers off the bench, but when you get into what he does defensively and just his advanced statistics, which, again... Voters are a lot more smart, smarter now, and um, they take that stuff into consideration. They look at what he does defensively. So, yeah, I got him at number three. What about you? My number three, I have Jordan Clarkson, a uh, huge Laker fan here, but I truly believe he's going to have that season this year, and he's really going to give Lou Williams and Eric Gordon a run for their money. He's just in a situation this year that the starters are good enough to where they're going to put up the numbers that they need to for starters, and he's the perfect six man. And I know that he's set for his goal this year to be six man. And of course, that's a goal that you want to set every year if you're coming off the bench. But he's, he only set it this year because he realizes this is the first year that he might be in a position to win this. And that's because of his growth as a player with the situation for the team. And I think he's truly relishing an opportunity to come off the bench as their first guy off the bench and lead the second unit. So I see him having a breakout year this year. And at number four, I have Jamal Crawford, a player that I love this year on the Timberwolves. I'm so excited to watch this team and to watch him be their their most veteran player and their best bench player coming off. I see him just revamping a little bit from what we saw a little bit earlier in his career, and he's definitely going to give these guys a run for their money. I don't see him putting up a great enough year to beat out those top three, but uh, number four, I love him right there. Yeah, so three and four, Clarkson and Crawford on your list. I thought about both of them for my list, but with Crawford just, I think he's 37, 38, and you, you just, just think, think he's too old. I just think at some point it's got to slow down. I think he'll still. Uh, if anything, this might be his last good year. Yeah, he'll see, he'll still be he'll still be a good bench player for the Timberwolves, but I yeah. don't think he's gonna be able to play at that level. And then for Clarkson, I think he he just he's another streaky player. You've seen him regress each year so far. His rookie year has been his best year. His shooting numbers and his advanced analytics, they've all trickled downward each year. And then also you got to consider this year, the Lakers are trying to clear cap room so that they can get enough room for two max level players next year. I think there's a good chance that Jordan Clarkson gets traded in the middle of this year. And that kind of slows down all the momentum. We saw that with Lou Williams. So that's why I left him off. Um, But at number four for me, I have Nick Young from the Warriors. So I got Iguodala and Nick Young teammates going 3-4. Nick Young, he is 
a really good shooter, someone who was underrated because he was on the Lakers and the Lakers yeah, have one been of the best so bad lately. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think I mentioned on last pod- podcast that he graded out as the number two spot up shooter in the league last year behind Stephen Curry. Well, now he's playing with Steph Curry, playing with Durant, Iguodala, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all very unselfish players. Yeah, so so much spacing on yeah. our team. Nick Young is going to have a really good year off the bench for the Warriors, so I have him at number four. Who do you have number five? Number five, I got Derrick Rose. I think the reason why I don't have him higher, because I think there's a good chance that he could uh, challenge Lou Williams. It's just, I don't know how long Isaiah Thomas is going to be out. And if Thomas is out, yeah, if Thomas is out for a while, because to qualify for this award, you have to be coming off the bench for 41 games. So you couple Thomas being out until probably December or January with the fact that Derrick Rose himself isn't extremely a reliable option to stay healthy. So maybe once Thomas is back, Rose doesn't get enough games off the bench because he's not healthy. So that's why I have him down there, but he is, uh, he's going to do well for the Cavs when he's playing. Who do yeah, you have I have, number Derek, five? I have yeah. Derek Rose at my number five also. I see him having the best year this year coming off the bench. Um, obviously not the best year of his career, but I just mean just the, just the best year to watch, just watching him come out the year last year for the Knicks where he really thrived in a system that didn't need Derrick Rose. And now he's coming with a super cheap contract. I think he's taking a chance on himself, and he wants to win. He's going to do a great job coming off the bench if he can buy enough time on the bench. That's why he's at number five for me and not number four instead of Jamal Crawford because he might start for too long, and that was the same problem that I had. But if he can come off the six man, I think he's going to do amazing on Cleveland and really show. I mean, he's he's a better six man than a lot of these guys on this list if he can stay healthy, like you said. So we'll yeah. see how he stands to starting for a part of this season and then how he adjusts to coming off the bench. But I see it working out well. Uh, let's move on to the All-NBA teams that we have, and let's go through these a little bit quicker because I think they're going to be a little more similar than a lot of these. Uh, my all, I'm going to go through the whole All-NBA team for me, and then you go through yours. Uh, I know that for the point system, we have 20 points per player here, so whichever one of these five players does make the All-NBA first team, Corbin and I will register 20 points for each one. Yes. Obviously, if one of them doesn't make it, we'll have 80. If two of them don't make it, we'll have 60 and so on. But my team is, uh, for my guards in the backcourt, I have Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry. Uh, for my forwards, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, the Greek freak, and LeBron James. And at center, I have Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Uh, I'm going to assume that yours is pretty damn similar. Yeah, mine's, actually, not, mine's the exact same five, so... We don't really have to... Westbrook and Curry, the reason why I don't have Harden... Last year it was Westbrook and Harden, just because Chris Paul is playing with Harden, so I think that's going to take away from his stats, obviously. So I have Curry back there. I'm assuming that's the same thinking you had. Yep, totally. And uh, I just love Carl Anthony Towns so much. I can't say more good words about him, so he's going to be the... Especially with... Because last year he had a great year too, but the Timberwolves just weren't good, so that's why. And now they're a play, now they're a playoff yeah, team. So I don't see if he's healthy. I don't see how he isn't first team. Okay, so NBA, I'm so. going to go through my All NBA second team. Okay. Uh, for my backcourt, I have Kyrie Irving and James Harden. For my forwards, I have Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant and Nikolai Nikolai Jokic uh, at center from Denver for me. So who are your five for the All NBA second team? Yeah, so I have the same forwards and the same center. I got Kawhi and Kevin Durant. And it was so strange putting them as 
second team All NBA, right. especially right. Durant, who we both agree is the second best player in the league. But because it's we both think we both think Giannis is going to be MVP, so yeah, that, that's he, why Kevin Durant's not on my MVP list. It's just the situation that he's in, not the fact that he's not the second best player in the league. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, same thing for me. And then Jokic who's, who's at your the backcourt? Yeah, my guards. I have Kyrie Irving, just like you, but I have John Wall over James Harden. Okay. I just think with how much Chris Paul is going to take away from Harden, that he is not going to make one of the first two All NBA teams. Okay, yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, for me, my for my All NBA third team, my first guard is John Wall. Okay. I'm assuming yours will probably be James Harden. So we have those swapped. But for me, I have John Wall and Jimmy Butler as my backcourt with Anthony Davis and Paul George as my forwards. And I have Miles Turner as my center. I know that's going to surprise a lot of people. And I know that's my bold selection for my All-NBA teams. But I see him having that kind of year this year. And I know Joel Embiid. I flirted with the idea of him putting him there for my center. I just don't trust him to play enough games to to make the difference, to make an All-NBA team. I know at some point in his career he will. I just don't see it this year, especially with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. I think emerging the way that they're going to, he's just not going to put together enough to beat Miles Turner, who's going to play in an environment that needs him so badly. And there's such a gaping hole in on the Pacers, and Miles Turner is definitely going to put up the best year of his career, and I think it's going to be enough to put him on the third All-NBA team. Uh, what's your uh, what's your list? Wow, I'm just I'm surprised with the Miles Turner pick. Okay, because... I, knew, I knew you were going to be. That was why I didn't say anything. I was, well, I was keeping him for this. I, I just <laughs> I believe in him so much this year, and I don't see another center who's the third best center for me. And well, what I about Gobert? Gobert is so there for me too, and Embiid I flirted with as well. But I just think Miles Turner is going to have that great of an offense. What here. about Demarcus Cousins though? Because if you're going to take a center who is on uh, a bad yeah, I don't, team, I don't like him and Anthony no? Davis together with Anthony Davis being on my third NBA team too. I think wow. Anthony Davis is a better player than DeMarcus Cousins. And I know DeMarcus Cousins is going to put up great numbers, yes. But if anything, Anthony Davis will take away some of those numbers with Ronda, with Holiday, with a lot of these players. He's going to have amazing numbers anyways. Just Miles Turner has no one else there. And I really see him thriving just in a different way than we can imagine. Hence why I have him as my most improved player. Not because he's going to have the most improvement, because he's going to have by far the most improvement, and people are going to say, where did this guy come from? But that's why he's on there for me. Okay. I got James Harden as the guard on my All-NBA third team, so yeah, we just swapped Wall and Harden on our All-NBA second and third team. Yeah, I, got, I can flip a coin about that yeah. one. Yeah, I, I'm confident. I know you, I know you yeah. hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have Jimmy Butler as my other guard. I got Anthony Davis and Paul George as my two forwards. And then I'm going on a bit of a leap of faith with my center with Joel Embiid. I think if he's healthy for this entire year, he could be second team. I don't see how he's going to be first team because even if he is healthy and plays in every game, the Sixers are there's, not going to play no him. The Sixers are not going to play him enough minutes per game to where he can challenge Carl Anthony Towns. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is going to be on the all NBA first team for the rest of his career, and that's it. <laughs> every year. Uh I'm not Every ready. Year. I'm not ready to go out on that bold of a statement. Every year, I I won't say that yet. But uh, yeah, I got Embiid as my center. Um, I just, okay. Yeah, I have reservations yeah, though with that's not, Turner. That's not too far out there because I definitely debated him too. I just wasn't sure if I could put enough trust in him. Yeah, I just think it doesn't. I have reservations about Turner being on it just because any player on a bad team normally doesn't get much consideration for an All NBA team unless they're an otherworldly player. Yep, 
totally. Uh, that's why it was my bold selection. Yeah. But I, I just, <laughs> I just can't wait to see what he puts up this year. So we'll move on to the all and all defensive first team. Uh, I know this is again twenty points per player. So every player that we get on these cor- correct is twenty points for Corbin and I. I'm going to start with my list and go all the way down. Hopefully, we have a pretty similar list due to the fact that. Defense is a little easier to pin than the All-NBA first teams, but for me, I had my backcourt being Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly. Ironically enough, the two guards that pretty much got swapped in that trade, two of the best defensive point guards in the league. So I have Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly with Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green, who are my one and two for Defensive Player of the Year, and Rudy Gobert as my center. I love what he brings, and he's insane. So that's my, that's my first team. What's yours? Yeah, so I have Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly in the backcourt as well, my two forwards. It I don't see how you can choose anyone else besides Kawhi Leonard. There's, and there's no way. Yeah, yeah. And then center, I know, um, I believe I had Rudy Gobert listed as um, a higher chance that, they, that he'd win Defensive Player of the Year than DeAndre Jordan, but really close and so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of hedge my bets with putting deandre jordan as my all nba defensive first team center uh you can probably guess who my second team center is going to be but yeah i got deandre jordan uh first team defense okay uh so we have the same four for guards and forwards but different centers so for our all, all defensive second team I have my guards being Tony Allen, who I think is in a great situation on a team that has no defense and needs him extremely badly. Uh, my other guard is Jimmy Butler, who's going to have a great year uh, in, with the Timberwolves. My forwards, I have Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And my center, I have Hassan Whiteside, who I love what he brings. I know you think he's a tad slow, but he's such a defensive presence. And like you said, rebounds means so much to defense as well and then i don't think anyone could rebound as good as Hassan Whiteside, so he's gonna round up my second team what about for your team yeah so i got tony allen and jimmy butler as my guards as well i think even though tony allen didn't sign with a team until just recently he is an unbelievable defender does all all, almost nothing offensively but defensively it doesn't even matter yeah defensively is great and that's all that these players are graded on for the defensive team. Uh, forwards, I got Anthony Davis and Giannis um, Antetokounmpo. And at center, I have Rudy Gobert. No surprise there. I mentioned kind of flipping a coin between him and DeAndre Jordan. Um, so, yeah, we have nine of the same, nine of the ten same defensive players. Only difference Yeah, the, the only difference is that I like Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, and I like DeAndre Jordan. I like DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, we're pretty much neck and neck with all of our teams so far. We're pretty close. Uh, let's go to our all rookie first team again. That's twenty points per player that we're marking for our points and stuff. My team, I got Ben Simmons, Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, Dennis Smith Jr., and Kyle Kuzma. So that is just my five for who I think is going to win Rookie of the Year anyway. So there's my five for the first All-NBA team, uh, All-Rookie team for the NBA. What's yours? Yeah, I have the same five too. So just a quick note about this is that for all defensive teams and All-NBA teams, voters have to choose two guards, two forwards, and one center. For these All-Rookie teams, first team and second team, it can be any five rookies. So right. I don't have to choose two guards, two forwards, and a center. So yeah, Which I'm made going, it easier for yeah, us. Yeah. So I'm going Ben Simmons, Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, Dennis Smith Jr., and Josh Jackson. 
So, so both, both of our five yeah, lists yeah. for rookie of the year. Uh, so for all rookies, second team, I have De'Aaron Fox, who I love so much, and I know you know that. I love him coming out of college. I love him on the Kings. I love every single thing about him. Obviously, his shot needs improving, and I hope that he could find a way to translate that to the NBA, but he's the fastest player in the league, in my opinion. If not fastest, quickest, whatever word you want to describe, this dude is a flash. You blink once, and he's on the other side of the court. Uh, I love what he brings, and I think he's really going to help the Sacramento Kings out. So I got Fox. I got Jason Tatum, who has been extremely underrated on our podcast so far. He's baby Paul Pierce. That dude's about to come in and change Boston at some point. Uh, I love him. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum. I got Josh Jackson, who's on your first team. I got Malik Monk, who I think is the best shooter in this draft class. And Donovan Mitchell, who might be both of our favorite players out of this draft class. And he's very underrated, but I know we've had a ton of fun watching him. So I think he makes the second team. Yeah, I think Donovan Mitchell is definitely the biggest surprise out of, or what we will expect to be the biggest surprise. Um, yeah, he might be our favorite. We've talked about him a ton. Yeah, and then, uh, so yeah, I have De'Aaron Fox on my second team. I got Jason Tatum, and if Tatum was on a different team, any of the other teams that were picking high in the first round, I'd probably put him on my first team. But again, just with all the talent surrounding him, he's not going get, to get enough touches and enough shots. So he'll still make second team, though. I got Kyle Kuzma on the second team. Um, so I know you got the Lakers being the team with, I believe, the first team ever to have two all-rookie players on first team. I have the Sixers. But um, I have Malik Monk as well. You mentioned that Malik Monk, you think, is probably the best shooter from this draft. I think probably, but the way Kuzma's been shooting, maybe he gets in the run for his money. Who kn- I hope, but we'll see. And then, yeah... I, Finish it out with Donovan Mitchell. Um, again, just a very big surprise. I did not think that he would be as good as it seems like he will be. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see him play. All right, so we are going to move on to the Western Conference All-Stars. Uh, I know it doesn't matter as much because of the change-up for the All-Star game and the fact that there's going to be players on each side that will go east or west, and it's kind of yeah. going to be a... But melting each, pot of the two, but each, we're going to just have to pick through conference. Each conference will still both have 12 players represent the conference. So Right, um, of course. Yeah. And so at this point, we're just going to have to separate them into conferences until we can do otherwise. Other yeah, than that, it's kind of just a flip of a coin, depending on who the players pick. But I'm going to have you list your list first. Okay. I just want to hear who you have starting for the West. If this wasn't the new rules, I guess that's the way that we're looking at it. It's the 12 best players from the West and then the 12 best from the East that we think are going to make the All-Star game. So I guess in a sense, this would be if those rules didn't change. But either way, we have 10 points for each of these players, depending on who makes the All-Star game and 10 points for each of them for us for our point system. Either way, if they uh, make the All-Star game, regardless of them getting picked by the team captains, uh, just the fact of them being in the All-Star game gives them points for oh, us. So yeah, let's here. list uh, the West first for you. Yeah, so really quickly, the way that this is, it's still voted upon the same way. So the starting five, I believe, or at least the first five, I don't know how the NBA is going to make sure that each of the starting five actually starts based on who they're picked by, but 
The first five will be selected by 50% of it's going to come from fan vote, 25% from media vote, and 25% from player vote. And then all of the players off the bench will be voted on by the coaches. So just wanted to make that clear to all of our listeners. With that said, I got Russell Westbrook, James Harden as the two backcourt players, and then Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns as the three frontcourt players. Off my bench, I got Paul George, Stephen Curry, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Nikola Jokic, and Chris Paul. And it in the Western Conference, it's just so loaded. So there are players like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, who I felt very weird not putting them on my team, but there's just so much talent. I didn't know who I was going to take off of this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Perry, what were your all-stars for the West? Uh, for me, I have pretty much the same exact list as you with an exception of one player. So my first five, I have Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, other than that, I have Paul George, Stephen Curry, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, oh Nikola Jokic, and Chris Paul. I know that one's going to drive you nuts, <laughs> but I really see him. I, I'm not a huge DeMarcus Cousins fan on the Pelicans. I really don't like him there. And I like him there more than the Kings, but I absolutely hated him on the Kings. Anthony Davis is going to have his year this year, and I really believe in that. I think Anthony Davis is going to break out more than any of us are giving him um, some sort of suspect for. Uh, Anthony Davis is going to have his best year. I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to put up numbers like always. And it, just like you said with guys like Draymond Green and all these players, it's just super weird for me to not put Cousins. But I'd rather have Cousins than Jokic. Uh, sorry, Jokic then Cousins, and that's <laughs> the only player that I can decide because I think Carmelo Anthony is going to make it regardless. So uh, I I know it's weird to see the three of them, but I think the Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo all make the All Star team, and media goes crazy. That's what I think. Wow, I just yep. I I can understand. Cousins would have been the first one I would have taken off too, but you mentioned exactly. how you like him better That's on the. Literally the only reason you mentioned how you like him better on the Pelicans than the Kings. He made the All Star game last year as a member of the Kings. And oh part- no, of course and- I, I hated him on the Kings because of the fact that they sucked, and then because of the fact <laughs> that he was never going to, you know, go anywhere with the Kings. But with this team, I, he's just the second best player. Okay, but I understand. I understand. If you're gonna, I, I get that. I well, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony didn't even make the All Star team on the East last year, though. Now he's right, going I, into I, a I much media, more competitive I, West. I think fans and the media are going to go crazy, and Carmelo's going to find a way to make it this year, and he's going to have his revamp year. Because Carmelo, what? So you think, about him, and he's not going to let them forget about him this year. You think he's going to be one of the first three in the backcourt then? Because if he's coming off the bench, the coaches have to vote him in. Yes. Well, I mean, however he gets voted in, Carmelo gets voted in. Wow. Okay. I would have thought, I mean, there's like Green, I mean, Clay do, Thompson, do you take, Damian Lillard. Do you Lillard. take off Jokic? Do you take off Chris Paul? Like, you can't take off any of those players besides No, I was saying Cousins, but if you're going to take him off, take this Green, is more. This Green. is more for me wanting to see this happen and more okay. for me excited for the media to go crazy. Okay. But I would, I would love to see this. this. is why I put it on there mainly. It's because I... I feel so bad for Carmelo Anthony, and he shouldn't be as forgotten as he is. And he's going to have the, you know, the year of media this year, and I think he's going to make it somehow. I don't know how, but 
I, you know, this isn't the year of cousins for me. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Put Carmelo on. That's just 10 <laughs> points you won't be getting. So I'm, I'm just, just trying to e- have fun. I'm just trying to have fun here, Corbin. Just making it easier for me. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, other, other than that, though, our, our lists are exactly the same. So that yeah. just shows, you know, the hierarchy of this. And I know Carmelo, for me, it's it took me a lot of willpower to take off DeMarcus Cousins off this list. So let's get that straight. I just want to put Carmelo Anthony so bad. And hope that you know maybe him being on my list gives him the motivation that he needs due to I know how important my lists are to him. So <laughs> oh, you didn't why, know you Carmelo's know. our uh, most avid listener. Oh no, definitely, Carmelo. I know yeah. you're listening right now. I just want to say hello and you know best of luck in OKC. I have so much faith <laughs> for you. I don't know how much Corbin does, but uh, I just want to shout out Carmelo, our most famous listener. But uh, let's move on to uh, the East and quit our joking around. And I'll start off with my list first. Uh, I got Kyrie Irving as the f- uh, first guard with John Wall as number two. Uh, LeBron James, Giannis the Greek Freak, uh, Yo- Joel Embiid, Gordon Hayward, Isaiah Thomas, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Chris Porzingis, Jabari Parker, and Ben Simmons. Uh, I know I took a quick peek at your list. I know that, again, this one's super similar, but... I'm just going to have to assume that the one that you're going to be shocked about is the Isaiah Thomas one for me. That was with me kind of taking the injury, you know, just kind of putting it, if if he does play enough for the All-Star game, obviously I don't think he's going to. I know he's supposed to be back until December, but if he plays enough games, it's going to be him. If not, it's going to be Kevin Love. It's going to be someone from the Cavs, but I hope Isaiah Thomas plays enough. And I know he cares deeply about my list as well. And why I put him on there to give him that extra motivation. You know, me and IT, you know how tight we are. So <laughs> yeah, I put another, him on another there, one of I, our I, I really listeners. hope that he can play before this. I hope he plays a lot sooner than everyone thinks. But the hip's not a big deal. But if he doesn't play enough and doesn't make it, I'm just going to have to go with Kevin Love as much as I hate to do that. Wow. And really quickly, before we get to my list for Eastern Conference All-Stars, we have Breaking news to report in the NBA happening during the podcast, so this is exciting. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Denver Nuggets guard Gary Harris, who you were just talking about as someone who you think will be one of the most improved players in the league this year, he has reached an agreement on a four-year deal with the Nuggets. How much do you think they're giving him for four years? Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's see if if you would be a good GM. Probably not. Uh, I'm going to give 75 to 80. That's pretty close. Four years, $84 million. Ooh, okay. I was so close. That's... Yo, teams, if you're looking for a GM, <laughs> Perry Aston's available, and yep. I only work in the week. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow, that's... Uh... Wow. Breaking news, NBA and our fans. We got an extension, extension for one of our players that we're talking about, but well-deserved. Gary Harris is, as I said, my second favorite young guard to watch right now behind Mr. Devin Booker and to be number two to him is a great honor I think this is this is a great move by the Nuggets you think that wasn't too much money to give him no I don't I know that you're a little higher on Jamal Murray clearly from your list but I think I seriously think Gary Harris is their shooting guard of the future and Jamal Murray's got a future in this league uh, he may might still be with the Nuggets and might find a way there, but if you pick between the two of them to start, you pick in Gary Harris. And I think you might agree with me on that one. Well, yeah, for right now, Gary Harris is better, but Murray, he's a combo guard. He could be the point guard anyways. Moutier hasn't, like we've said, he's kind of 
disappointed so far. But yeah, I guess that really just depends on how that, Moutier's year goes. But either way, Gary Harris, you don't let that guy go. So whatever extension, yeah, they but get to give he would have been res- he, he would have been restricted after this year. I think eighty four million that just seems like a lot. Well, then, to all, give but him. then all of a sudden the Nets come around and offer him a one year, one hundred fifty million dollar contract, and you have to, you know give him that money or he's gone to Brooklyn. That's just what they do every year. So clearly they're trying to avoid that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was just a lot of money, but yeah. I interesting, agree. interesting little, uh, interesting little breaking news for us. So yeah, back to our list now. So Man. my Eastern conference, all stars, I got Kyrie Irving and John Wall as my two backcourt players. Um, and then in the front court, I got LeBron James, Giannis on Tedekumbo and Joel Embiid. Um, Embiid almost made the all-star team last year, and I think as long as he stays healthy-ish, he should have no yeah, problem some, making it this year. healthy, he'll make yeah, this team. Yeah, And then, um, yeah, off the bench, I got Gordon Hayward. Kevin Love, who's the only difference between mine and yours, you got Isaiah Thomas, I got Kevin Love. I don't see how Isaiah Thomas makes the team when right, that's, he won't that's be. Right, that's why I have Kevin Love there anyways as my probably pick. I'm just hoping that Isaiah Thomas sees my list and is as happy as he usually is with my list and wait so which one's you your know. which one's your pick are you going with kevin love or isaiah thomas no it's isaiah thomas okay. if he plays <laughs> enough but I've, i but I, I pretty much listed a reserve there for just in case it's how we think it's going to be it's going to be his teammate kevin love so I, we're not in much disagreement for these all right yeah and then um yeah i got lowry DeRozan, porzingis jabari parker i think he kind of goes under the radar for some people he's had two torn ACLs in his first three years in the league, but when he's been healthy, he has looked really good, especially last year. He played amazing last year when he was in. Last year, he looked really good. A lot more athletic than um, you would expect just from looking at him, too. And uh, I think if he's healthy, especially with Giannis having an incredible year, that's just going to open up the floor for Jabari to do well also. And then, yeah, I got Ben Simmons rounding it out, um, even though he's a rookie. I think especially in an Eastern Conference, that's kind of void of great players. Yeah, I have him there it. too. Yeah, I, love, yeah. I, love, I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, it's odd that we have two Sixers on the All-Star team. but it's just uh, Hey, I mean, it's, it's, it was bound to happen at some point. They yeah. really tanked for this long to get these kind of caliber players. And I think we both can agree this will be the year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to our next segment. I know we got 10 points for the answer of this question, but it's the first coast first coach fired and i think this is a clear one let's hear yours first yeah so i got fred hoiberg we mentioned on last podcast how no coach had been fired in over a year i think it was since may of 2016 when dave yeager was fired by the memphis grizzlies but um who knows when this will happen bulls are tanking who knows how much leeway they're going to give hoiberg because ownership will have to admit that they're not going to be good this year, but he just never seemed like a good coach to me, and I think he's better suited in college. Yeah, uh, I got Fred Hoiberg also. The only reason why he's with the Bulls right now is because he did decent in college, and he's a former Chicago Bulls NBA player. That's the only reason why he's there. You can't keep a coach for very long if the team's going to tank the way that they're going to, and that's just like I said, Brad Stevens and Dan Tony and all these coaches with blessed situations this is just a coach with the worst situation yeah and doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of coach he is you can't coach this kind of team so he'll he'll be out before we know it um let's move on to uh this is also 10 points for each one of these answers uh it's our it's our 
guess our estimate for the leader of each one of these categories, scoring, rebounding, assists, blocks, steals, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, minutes played. So all of the top stats that you look at for leaders, we're going to take a shot. For these, it's going to be 10 points if we get the player right, and then if we get the actual stat line, so points per game if we get how many points per game is scored okay. by that player, it's an extra 10 points. So, All right, Perry, so we I'll got a you... potential of 20. Yeah, for each question. So, Perry, I'll let you start off. Who do you have as your scoring leader, and how many points is he going to average? Per I, have, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak from Milwaukee. I have him at 28.5 points per game, and that's my leader for this year, and the MVP. Wow. Okay, I think Giannis will be up there, but... I actually have Carl Anthony Towns at 27.8. That might surprise some people because you normally wouldn't think of... Yeah, you wouldn't think of Towns as the leading scorer in the NBA. But you look around the NBA, Westbrook was the leading scorer last year. Now he has Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. We can both agree he's not going to put up the same points per game, or at least we wouldn't same, think. Same, same with Harden with Chris yeah, Paul. Yeah, Harden with Chris Paul. You got that's why, that's Anthony why Davis Giannis, with Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I don't think Giannis Giannis is going to put up I'd say twenty five twenty six points. Giannis doesn't Giannis doesn't have a Jimmy Butler on his team though, or other talent around him to take away points. So yeah, that's what shocks me about this. I just think even with Jimmy Butler, especially playing for Tom Thibodeau, where his starters play so many minutes, Towns is still going to get plenty of shots. He's yeah. Very efficient. He can score from anywhere. So yeah, I think he'll have twenty-seven point eight. Will lead the league. Twenty-seven point eight. Okay, mine had mine was twenty-eight point five. So right around right. twenty-seven, twenty-eight points. We think it's going to cap out this year. Uh, let's move on to NBA rebounding leaders. I have Hassan Whiteside. Uh, he's got. I have him at the same number as he had last year, and while he as well topped the league, fourteen point one. I think he's going to repeat that number, and no one's going to put up more than him. Okay, I got DeAndre Jordan at 14.2, so just slightly higher. Last year, Jordan finished second to Whiteside. He had 13.9 rebounds per game. I think with Chris Paul not being on the team, DeAndre Jordan's going to be playing at least a few more minutes per game just because there also won't be as many blowouts, so that'll help him pad his stats a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I just think that'll be the difference that'll allow him to recapture the rebounding title. Okay, I think with uh, Danilo Gallinari there and Blake Griffin, as well as, uh, I believe it's Reed behind him, I think there's just going to be too many rebounds there to push him above the 13 mark. But either way, I know you got DeAndre Jordan at the same level as being with Hassan Whiteside. We yeah. just kind of swapped those two players. So uh, NBA assist leaders this year, I got Russell Westbrook at 11.0. He's going to finally cap 11. Uh, the main reason why is he's such a distributor and now he's got Carmelo and Paul George there to give him even more assists and Russell Westbrook already had over 10 assists last year I think he's going to cap it at 11 this year yeah I actually think his assists per game is going to go down because of George and Anthony yeah I just think the ball isn't going to be in his hands as much as it was last year and um, yeah Carmelo and Paul George are going to take away some of his assist totals which I think he'll be fine with but I have John I Wall. Take away his points, not his assists. I think it's going to it's going to take away both. But Westbrook's going to be able to focus more on defense, and as long as he's winning, that's all he cares about. I don't think Westbrook totally. really cares about his overall stat total. So totally. I have John Wall as my assist leader, ten point nine assists per game. I believe he was at ten point five assists per game 
last year. I think he was second to James Harden. Harden, we don't have him on either of our lists, and I think it's probably because of Chris Paul. Yeah, John Wall, I think just nothing's really changed with the Wizards. Um, He's still going to be the one with the ball in his hands. He has to create for teammates, whether it's Bradley Beal, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Marcin Gortat's great with the pick and roll with him at finishing near the rim. Um, so yeah, I think he'll be leading the league in assists. Let's move on to blocks per game. So I had Anthony Davis at 2.53 blocks per game. There's a lot of different players that are going to be in contention. You got Davis, Gobert, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Hassan Whiteside. I kind of just decided, you know what, I'm just going to go with Davis. Um, yeah, two point five. Yeah, it's it's really nice to see you not picking DeAndre Jordan and me not picking Hassan Whiteside for this one, considering <laughs> how our, the rest of our podcast has gone so far. I have Rudy Gobert here at two point seven five. Okay. I know it's a little bit higher than yours, about point two more. But I know Rudy Gobert. Uh, Rudy Gobert really showed this insane jump in his defensive ability last year, and he's always been a great defender. Uh, two point seven five seems right about right for me. The fact that he's even close to three is insane. Um, I'm going to go, so we're going to move on to the NBA steals leader. I'm going to start with mine. I have Draymond Green. I know it's the person that you have for defensive player of the year. I know I have Kawhi Leonard, uh, but either way, even though I have Kawhi Leonard winning defensive player of the year, I have Draymond Green leading the league in steals barely. I have him just at 2.1 exactly. So right around 2.1, Draymond Green is going to top the league. What's uh, what's your steal leader? Okay, yeah, I got Robert Covington. He was at, I think, 2.02 last year. I'm going to Say he's at 2.06 this year, just a little more steals. Sixers are going to be more competitive. That might force teams that they're playing to push the ball a little bit more, make a few more mistakes. Covington's a really good defender. Um, So, yeah, I got him as my steals leader, 2.06 steals per game. Let's move on to field goal percentage leader. I have Clint Capella at 68.3%. I know DeAndre Jordan was the field goal percentage leader last year, and I believe he had been for the past few years, but yeah, that no, is he because shot over seventy percent last year. So. Yeah, well, a lot of that had to do with Chris Paul. Um, of course, so Clint Capello was at around sixty-six percent last year, and I think now with Harden and Chris Paul, that's someone who is going to benefit the most from them, just being able to catch lobs at the rim. Very similar to what DeAndre Jordan did last year. Won't be as high as Jordan as far as his field goal percentage compared to what Jordan did last year, just because. Capella is not as big and quite as athletic as DeAndre Jordan. But, yeah, I have him 68.3%. What about you? I have DeAndre Jordan, again, leading the league at 70.5. I know you said Chris Paul had a little bit to do with that. Uh, To be honest, I think the Clippers are in a better position they are this year than than when they had Chris Paul. Patrick Beverly is a great passer, of course, but that's not even who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Teodosic. I'm pretty sure that's his name, uh, how you pronounce it, Teodosic. Milos Teodosic. Yeah, Teodosis. He, uh, I know Patrick Beverly, his teammate who played with him overseas, said he is the best passer that I've ever played with or ever seen in basketball history, ever. <laughs> and seeing just whatever showcase we've seen in preseason, Teodosis makes passes that nobody in the NBA can make. And that's my final statement, and that's it. You'll see it this year. You will hear it again this year. Not saying he's a better point guard than any of these players, not even close when it comes to passing and creating situations for other players. He might be better than Chris Paul, and that's the scary part. Wow. And the fact that Beverly's that I know that's saying a ton. I'm just saying Patrick Beverly did not say that for no reason. And I watched his highlights, and I watched whatever I've seen in preseason, and I totally agree. 
Tia Dosig is the most exciting passer in the league right now, and he's about to make this Clippers team extremely fun to watch. DeAndre Jordan's not going to see any lack of lobs, any lack of feeds down low. 70.5 is the number I have. He's going to clear 70% yet again. Wow. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, we'll see what happens with Tia Dosic. I'm not going to say anything on him just because I haven't really seen much right. of him. Um, yeah, I, I, I did put a particular amount of time onto him. To, okay. to, I was very intrigued. That's why I, I might have a little bit of a bias, but I know seeing that quote from Patrick Beverly really jumped off the, the phone screen when I saw that for me. I said, wow, if another point guard who's now about to be his teammate, who was a former teammate of his overseas, is saying those kind of, you know, that kind of praise, that's saying something. Uh, so let's move on to the uh, three-point percentage leader. Uh, I have J.J. Redick on now the 76ers. He was on the Clippers last year. I got him at 45.2%. F- uh, uh, I know he is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and he's going to continue to be, and I think he's going to get a ton of looks with uh, as much penetration as there's going to be on the 76ers. He's just going to be you know, chilling outside on the three-point line, waiting to get his feeds, and he's going to be making almost half of them. I have 45.2%. What about you? Yeah, I got J.J. Redick, too. I got him at 44.6%. I, okay. Pau Gasol led the league last year in three-point percentage, which I thought wait, wait, was wait, pretty... Who? Yeah, Pau Gasol. He led the league in three-point percentage last year. No one would that, guess that. that yeah. Pau Gasol led the league in three-point percentage in the 2017 wow. NBA season. He shot that over. Is, that's over, the one thing I didn't know. He shot over 50. percent I don't think he's going to do that again. I'll go out on and say that. Yeah. Um, I considered Nick Young here just because of how many open looks he's going to get with the Warriors, but JJ Reddick's an unbelievable shooter, and with Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons and. Joel Embiid and even Dario Saric commanding a good amount of attention. Um, I think he's going to have plenty of open looks, and he's going to be leading the league in three-point percentage at 44.6%. So let's move on to... I'm I'm glad we agree here. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the free-throw percentage leader. This one, I don't know, it's kind of hard to guess who's going to lead it. It's just who shoots the best. Free throws, it's not like you're going to be open or not open. You're always open. Um, But... I have Stephen Curry leading the league at 90.7%. He shot over 90% two years ago when he won MVP. Last year was at like 89.8%. I know you have, um, who do you have, Perry? I have CJ McCollum. I believe he led the league last year. Yeah, he did lead the league last year, so can't go wrong with that pick. And what percentage do you have for him? I have 91.7, so just 1% higher than yours. Okay. All right, let's move on to most minutes played per game. I have Andrew Wiggins at 38.2 minutes per game. LeBron James led the league in minutes per game last year. I believe it was, if it wasn't 38.6 minutes per game, it was very close to that. Um, I would hope Tyron Lue would not play him quite that much. I didn't understand why he was playing him that much last year, but LeBron clearly wasn't affected by it because you look at what he did throughout the playoffs and the finals, but you got to give him a break. Uh, I have Wiggins as the leader just because, like I mentioned, Tom Thibodeau plays his starters a ton. Wiggins is very young, and he is going to get plenty of playing time. So 38.2. What do you have? Yeah, I have the same number, 38.2 as well. Uh, For me, it's Kyle Lowry. I know Wiggins and Lowry are both top five in minutes played last year. Uh, I just think Lowry is going to edge it out. I know Wiggins is on a team that's going to have a lot of players playing, and I know that you said Thibodeau plays a lot of their starters excessive minutes i just see kyle lowry especially with the fact that they have cj miles now 
do end, they traded away their backup point guard to Kyle Lowry. I know that they have other players to fill in. I just see Kyle Lowry. They paid him a hundred million dollars this year as well. Yeah. Thirty-eight point two minutes doesn't sound out of out of the picture at all when he already had about thirty-eight minutes last year. Okay. So he's my leader, four minutes played. And uh, so I know this is one of your favorite parts. We have the more fun questions, just kind of over-unders, more fun questions about, you know, will there be an NBA team with fewer or the same amount of losses as an NFL team? I know you're having a lot of fun with these. Yeah, so just let's a, get started on those. Yeah, just a few quick questions before we get to the uh, standings for what we think will be for this uh, upcoming season and then our playoff predictions as well. And these are five points each for yes. our point system. So I know where the first one is over, under, 41 regular season games played for Joel Embiid. What is yours? Yeah, I'm going to go over. I know his first three years he has not gone over that once, but you got to think at some point he's going to be healthy enough to play in at least half of the games this year. You know what, let's make it 41.5 just so that we don't break even, possibly. I mean, off of our luck, we'll probably end up, it'll be right at 41, so... Do forty one point five? Are you? Uh, what are you going to take at forty one point five? Uh, I go over as well. I'll give him right around forty five games. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm expecting more than forty one, but we'll see. More than forty five too. So, um, yeah. Next up is Will Jaleel Okafor finish the year on the seventy sixers? What do you think? I'm going to say yes. I know. I love. If he did get traded, I just don't see any move panning out. He just is going to stay there and be irrelevant. Okay. I went with no. I think especially there were some reports that he slimmed down this year and he looks to be in better shape and just playing better. So if that's able to happen and they can – right now he has almost no trade value at all. If they can get any trade value for him whatsoever, I think he's gone. So, all right. Next up we got – Will DeMarcus Cousins finish the year on the Pelicans? What do you say, Perry? Uh, no, I think he should get traded to the Cavaliers for that Nets pick. But regardless if he gets traded there or not, he needs to go somewhere. I hate him on the Pelicans. It's Anthony Davis. <laughs> I actually like Cousins and Davis playing together. I think that um, I think they will do well. It's just that they don't have anyone else really on the team, so the team won't do too well collectively. But with that said, yeah, I think Cousins will be traded. Pelicans are going to struggle this year, I don't think. Um, uh, shoot, you know what? Now this is uh, going against um, what I have for my predictions for the playoffs. So, uh, you know what? You know, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Cousins will stay on the Pelicans for this whole year. I will okay. switch that. Um, I have just a little bit of a um, spoiler alert, but I have the Pelicans as my eight seed in the playoffs. So, I do think it if the Pelicans are not in a position to contend for a playoff spot, then I think Cousins is gone, and I think that trade involving the Nets pick to go to the Cavs makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, I'll say Cousins stays on the Pelicans. All right, uh, so a much, a much easier question for the next one. Will Anthony Davis finish the year on the Pelicans? I'm just going to answer for both of us and say yes, because there's no possible way that the Pelicans are stupid enough to let Anthony Davis go. Well, I I'm going to agree and say yes. I think... If Cousins is traded, though, I could see a scenario where the Pelicans decide to just blow the whole thing up, and Davis no. still has two or three years left on his contract. You could get so much in return for him, just a king's ransom. So I don't think it's out of 
the question that Davis gets traded at some point this year, but I'm going to say he stays on the Pelicans this whole year. He stays. Okay, so we got a more fun question. Uh, Will there be an NBA team with fewer or the same amount of losses as an NFL team? So let's say an NFL team goes 12-4. and They have four losses. Will there be an NBA team with fewer or the same amount of losses as an NFL team? I know I say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no, too. Um, It just, I mean, the... NBA teams to have fewer the same amount of losses as an NFL team. You, even if an NFL team loses 16 games, then the Warriors are the only team I can think of, and they'd have to go better than 66 yeah, and 16. Yeah, but the NFL isn't going to have a winless team. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say no. All right, All right cool. Yeah. So next, next question. Uh, the eighth seed in the West over under 44 and a half wins. I know the AC in the West last year was 41. That's uh, so we're over under on 44 and a half. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to go under actually. Um, okay. I know that uh, the Western Conference is extremely stacked this year with a lot of players shifting over, but it is somewhat top-heavy, because I also don't think, like, the Clippers, I think that they're not going to be as good as some people would expect. Um, I just think the eight seed, it's going to be a good team, um, but just because the West is so competitive and they're going to kind of cannibalize each other, I think it will be under 44.5 wins. Yeah, I agree. I say under. At first I said over, and then I really thought about it and put it in there, and there's no way that it's going to be uh, over. I say under. Okay. All right. All right so, so AC in the West, uh, AC in the East, a much easier conference. Last year was the same number, forty-one wins, over under on forty point five. Yeah, I'm gonna say over for that one, just barely. I think the eight seed is going to get forty-one wins again this year. The East is obviously a much weaker conference than it was last year, and last year it wasn't even particularly strong. Um, but I think the teams at the top are going to be able to to take advantage of the weaker teams near the bottom of the league, near the bottom of the conference. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say over. I say under, but I got my eighth seed winning 40, so it's pretty much right there. Okay. All right, so pretty close for us, but we'll see what happens. Next up is over under 34.5 triple doubles for Russell Westbrook this year. Last year he set the NBA record for most triple doubles in a year with 42. Perry, what do you think? I go over uh, 34.5. I think he goes closer to 38. I know last year was 42, maybe 37, 38. But he's definitely going to be over 34.5 for me. There's going to be no lack of assists. I know we think opposite. I think there's more people that are going to make the ball or make the shot when he passes to them. I know it sounds so stupid, but I remember watching games last year where he would try so hard to get these other people the ball, and they wouldn't be able to finish for him half the time, and he'd have to do it himself. And it looks very sad. I think with Paul George and Carmelo there, there's going to be more than enough people to score the basket. And Westbrook's going to get enough assists, and he definitely flies enough for enough rebounds. And he's going to definitely get more than 10 points. Triple doubles are pretty damn easy for Westbrook, and that's <laughs> insane that we're able to say that about a player. But, yeah, I go over for the 34.5. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I'm going to think probably closer to 30, 25, or 30 triple doubles for him. Again, I don't think he's going to have the same assists. I think 
probably around, I'd say like nine assists per game, eight or nine assists per game. I think his rebounds maybe still double digits, but um, the Thunder, they're going to be beating more teams by a higher margin. So he's most likely going to go down as far as minutes per game too. So I think that's going to factor into it. And yeah, I just, I got under 34.5 for him. All right, cool. Next question. Higher total Warriors losses or Bulls wins? Yeah, so I'm gonna. This is actually pretty close, but um, very close. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bulls wins. I think they just the Warriors. They're going to have. I have them at 68 and 14 this year, and as bad as the Bulls are, I cannot envision a scenario where they have less than 14 wins. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm gonna go Bulls wins as well. Okay. All right. Next up, we got higher total Clippers losses or Lakers wins. I have Clippers losses. What about you, Perry? Uh, yeah, as do I. Yeah, I just think, I mean, the Lakers are going to be more competitive this yeah. year. Clippers are going to be losing more, so, yeah. All right, next up, higher total, Joel Embiid minutes per game plus points per game or Sixers wins. Perry, what do you think? Embiid, not even a question. Yeah, I have Embiid, but it's not, I don't think it's not even a question. I think it's going to be close. I think minutes per game for Embiid, probably be around 26, 27, and they'll probably be scoring around 19, 20 points per game, so that puts them at anywhere between 45 and 47, and I think the Sixers' wins are going to be just under that, so I think it's close. Okay, cool. So uh, the next question, highest combined points per game, assists per game, and rebounds per game between Lonzo, Simmons, and Fultz? Yeah, I have Ben Simmons. I think... Scoring-wise, him and Lonzo, it's close. I think um, I think Simmons is just going to edge him out with points per game. Lonzo isn't a great scorer, neither is Simmons, but Simmons is six foot ten. Um, Lonzo's six foot six, and Simmons is more athletic. Um, so I'm going to give him that edge. Assist per game, I think Lonzo averaged one or two more assists per game than Simmons. Rebounds per game, though, I think Simmons will. That's what's going to decide it between them, and then Fultz. I don't really think it's a conversation for him. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's as. Uh, I, th- I have Lonzo here. I know Simmons is six ten. Lonzo is six six. I think Simmons plays smaller than he is. I think Lonzo plays bigger than he is. Huh. Um, Lonzo's grabbing rebounds all over the place. He's a triple double machine. Uh, when it comes to combined points per game, assists, and rebounds, I'm going to give it to Lonzo. Simmons definitely averages about on points. When it comes to assists and rebounds, uh, I'm going to have to give it to Lonzo. So I'm oh. going to have Lonzo by like a tiny bit. It's strange that we think of, because I mean, I somewhat think of Lonzo as, yeah, he's going to be getting at least five or ten triple doubles this year. But it's interesting we think about that. Before Summer League, he had never had a triple double, at least not in college. He didn't have one triple double. Then he goes to Summer League, gets two, and now. Here we are thinking he's going to be a triple-double machine. So. Yeah, no, I'm convinced. Okay. <laughs> um, think, so last question, uh, will Chris Bosh play in a game this year? Yeah, so this question, I just want to include it because Chris Bosh was seen at the Lakers practice facility talking to their GM, Rob Palinka. Chris Bosh and Rob Palinka. Rob Palinka used to be Chris Bosh's agent before Bosh had his injury problems and... Um, Rob Palinka was hired as GM of the Lakers. So Chris Bosh, the Miami Heat went to a court 
to get an order from a um, panel of judges that concluded that Chris Bosh most likely will never play in an NBA game before, and that got the heat out of having to have his buyout count against their cap. So if a panel of judges, which I believe they were all doctors, think that he won't play again, I don't see... It's up to Chris Bosh and each individual team's discretion, but I don't see a scenario where an NBA team would risk signing Bosh when there's even the slightest possibility of him, God forbid, dropping dead in the middle of an NBA game. Yeah, unless, unless there's a movie being made, Chris Bosh will be a commentator this year. <laughs> okay, yeah, I agree with that. So, All right, let's move on to our NBA predictions for the standings this year from each conference. So how do we want to go about this? Do we want me to say my playoff teams, you say yours? or um, Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, first place in the West, Golden State Warriors. They're over-under, so we're going to do this according to Las Vegas odds. Over-under is 67.5. I have them over at 68 wins, 14 losses. I have the San Antonio Spurs at number two. Their over-under is 54.5. I have them over at 57 and 25. Oklahoma City Thunder, I have them coming in at the three seed. Their over-under is 52.5. I have them over at 55 and 27. Houston Rockets at the number four seed. Their over-under is 54.5. I have them under at 50 and 32. The Minnesota Timberwolves come in at number five for me. Their over-under is 46.5. I'm taking the over. I think they will finish with 50 wins and 32 losses, so they'll be tied with the Rockets, but I'm just going to say the Rockets will have the tiebreaker. Um, number six, Denver Nuggets. They're over under 43.5. I'm going to say they win 46 games, so I'm taking the over. Portland Trailblazers come in at number seven for me. Their over under is 40.5. I am saying that they are going to win 42 games, so taking the over. New Orleans Pelicans, so that was what I talked about earlier. I thought about that Cousins question, and then I realized why would they be trading him if they were in a position to make the playoffs, and if they did trade him, they're not making the playoffs. So I'm going to say Cousins stays on the Pelicans. Pelicans over-under is 39.5. I'm going to take the over, say they go 41-41. and 41. So those were my eight playoff teams. Now I'll get to my teams that in the Western Conference will not make the playoffs. So at number nine, I have the Clippers just barely missing the playoffs. Their over-under is 42.5. I'm going to take the under at 40 wins and 42 losses. Utah Jazz at number 10. Their over-under is 38.5. And I filled this out before Dante Exum. Um, there was a rumor that he might miss the entire season. He's not huge to the Jazz's plans, but he might be good for a few wins. But I'll still say they go 38 and 44. So I'm going to take the under. The Memphis Grizzlies come in at the 11 seed for me. Their over-under is 38.5. I'm going to take the under at 35 wins, 47 losses. The 12 seed, the Los Angeles Lakers, their over-under is 32.5. I'm going to just barely take the over and say they go 33 and 49. And I think the reason for that over is because at the end of the year when some teams will be tanking, the Lakers have no incentive to tank at all because they don't have their draft pick this year no matter what. So I think that'll be the difference. That'll get them two or three more wins at the end of the year. 13 seed, I got the Dallas Mavericks. Their over-under is 35.5. I'm going to take the under and say they win 32 games. Number 14 seed is the Sacramento Kings. Over-under at 29.5. 
I'm going to just barely take the under there and say 29 and 53. And the Phoenix Suns coming in at the 15th and final seed in the Western Conference. They're over under 28.5, and I am going to take the under at 27 wins and 55 losses. That was my Western okay. Conference standings. Perry, what do you have for your Western Conference standings? Okay, ours are sort of similar. Definitely okay. have some changes. Number one, I have Golden State Warriors, the best team ever assembled. <laughs> at 69 and 13, I know the over and under was 67.5. I haven't had 69 wins this year, slightly higher than yours. Uh, my number two, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know you have the Spurs. I have the Thunder number two winning 59 games instead of their projected 45 or 54.5. So I have them at 59 and 23, about four and a half games above their over and under. Number three, I have the San Antonio Spurs at 56 and 26 when their over and under was 52.5. So I'm going over on that. Houston Rockets, their over and under was 54.5. I have them at 52 and 30, so barely under. Minnesota Timberwolves at number five seed. Their over and under was 60, uh, 46.5. I have them at 48 and 34, so barely over. Denver Nuggets at six. Their over and under was 43.5. I have them at 46 and 36, so over. Number seven, Portland Trailblazers. They're over under 40.5. I have them at 42 and 40, so barely over. My number eight, I have the Clippers instead of the Pelicans. Uh, I have them at 41 and 41, exactly 500, uh, slightly under their 42.5 projected. Uh, number nine, barely not making the playoffs. Uh, it's New Orleans Pelicans at 40 and 42, below their 42.5 projection. Uh, I know that you're a little higher on them. I have the Clippers at number eight making the playoffs and the Pelicans not. Oh, the Pelicans were actually, their over-under was 39.5. So you oh, sorry, them. 39.5. So I have them over. My, my fault on that one. But I also, I have them not making the playoffs at 40 and 42, but they are over on their projection. Uh, the Utah Jazz, I have them at 36 and 46 at the 10 seed. I know their over-under was 38.5. The Lakers, they're over under 32.5. I have them at the 11th seed at 35 and 47. I know I'm giving them a little credit, but I I believe they'll be a 35-win team. Uh, number 12, the Memphis Grizzlies at uh, 34 and 48, below their 38.5 percent projected. I'm not very high on the Grizzlies. At 13, I'm a little higher on them than you are. The Phoenix Suns, I don't think they're going to be the 15th. I think they'll be the 13th. At 32 and 50, besides their 28.5 projected, I have them over. And the Dallas Mavericks, I have them uh, definitely under. They're 35.5 projected at 29 and 30 and 53. I have them at number 14. And at my last and final 15th seed, I have the Sacramento Kings below. They're projected at 27 and 55. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference before we get to the playoffs. So all say mine so number one i got the boston celtics i think that they will edge out the cleveland cavaliers some of it has to do with isaiah thomas missing however long he's going to miss probably be back in december or january i also we know the Cavs don't value the regular season that much it's just about getting the playoffs and meeting the warriors which we'll get to right. the predictions but yeah, so number one, I got the Celtics. Their over-under is 53.5. I have them winning 58 games this year, so I'm going to take the over. Cleveland Cavaliers, even if Isaiah Thomas doesn't come back until December, January, he could miss the whole season. I still think they're going to be the two seed, but I have them at 56-26 and 26 over their 
over-under of 54.5. Number three, the Washington Wizards, their over-under is 48.5. I'm going to take the over and say they win 52 games. Number four, I have the Milwaukee Bucks with the MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. Their over-under is 46.5. I'm going to say they win 51 games. Number five is the Toronto Raptors. They're over under 47.5. I'm going to take the over at 49 wins. Number six is the Philadelphia 76ers. Their over under is 40.5. And I'm going to say they win 44 games to go with 38 losses this year. Number seven, the Miami Heat. Over under 42.5. I'm going to just barely take the under and say they go 42 and 40. Number eight is the Charlotte Hornets with the last seed in the playoffs, and I think with the addition of Dwight Howard, that'll just be enough to get them there. Their over-under is 42.5. I'm going to take the under at 41 and 41. Number nine, the Detroit Pistons, so first team to not make the playoffs in the East. Their over-under is 38.5. I'm going to take the under at 39 and 43. Number 10, the New York Knicks. Their over-under is 30.5. I'm going to just Barely say over at 31 and 51. Orlando Magic at number 11, tied with the Knicks at number 10 with 31 wins. Their over-under was also 30.5, so again, just barely taking the over. The Brooklyn Nets, their over-under was at 26.5, and at the 12 seed, I'm going to barely take the over again at 27 wins, 55 losses for them. Indiana Pacers, so the last three teams in the East, I think, it's pretty clear to me that they are the three worst teams in the conference. The Indiana Pacers at the number 13 seed, over under 30.5. I'm going to take way under at 24 wins, 58 losses. Atlanta Hawks, the 14 seed. Again, I'm going way under the over under of 27.5 with 21 wins, 61 losses. And the Chicago Bulls, the last seed in the East, the worst team in the league for my predictions this year. They're over under 22.5. They are going to win 18 games this year. So the last seed in the East, the Bulls win 18 games. Last seed in the West, the Kings win 27 games. Perry, what is your standings for the East? All right, so for number one, I got the Boston Celtics at 58 and 24, above the 53.5 projected. Number two, I have the Cavaliers. They're projected 54.5. I have them barely under 54 and 28, so right there. Uh, the Wizards projected 48.5. I have them at 52 and 30, so over. Uh, for the Bucks of Milwaukee, they have 46.5 projected. I have them at 51 and 31. I expect a big year out of them. The Raptors at 47.5 projected. I have them barely under at exactly 47 and 35. Uh, the 76ers have them barely over. They're 40.5 at 42 and 40 at the sixth seed. And the Miami Heat at the seventh seed at 41 and 41, right under their 42.5 projected. And the number eight Detroit Pistons, uh, I have them being the last team to make the playoffs at 40 and 42, uh, above their 38.5 projected. And I have the Charlotte Hornets as the first team to not make it, regardless of Dwight Howard being there. I see them as the ninth seed, maybe the 10, but for the nine, I have them at 39 and 43, so still above. They're projected. Number 10, I have the Orlando Magic right above their 30.5 projected at 32 and 50. And the Brooklyn Nets, I have them having a better year than people expect at number 11, uh, 31 and 51 over their 26.5 uh, win projected. 
And at number 12, I have the Knicks. They're uh, below their 30.5 projected games at 27 and 55 at the 12th seed. And then 13, 14, 15, I totally agree with you when I have the Indiana Pacers, Atlanta Hawks, and Chicago Bulls all under their projected as well. And for my Chicago Bulls at the 15 seed, I have them at 16 and 66. So two wins under you. I have them winning 16 games, so wow. even worse. Wow. Okay. Yes. No faith. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, Bulls are going to be horrible. So let's go to the playoffs. We'll do my Western Conference, your Western Conference, my Eastern Conference, your Eastern Conference, and then we'll go to the NBA Finals. So I'll start off with my Western Conference. So in the first round, I have the Warriors beating the Pelicans in five games. I think the Pelicans are going to be able to get one game on the Warriors just because I think Cousins and Anthony Davis together can create matchup problems for the Warriors who rely so much on their small ball. Uh, the Spurs, I have them beating the Blazers four games to two. Um, I just, I mean, Greg Popovich, like I said, greatest coach of all time. They got Kawhi Leonard. Blazers have a decent team, above average, with um, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. But yeah, Spurs win that. I have the Thunder having a little bit of trouble with the Nuggets. They're going to take them to seven games and beat the Nuggets um, and move on to the second round. And then the Rockets and Timberwolves, I also have that going um, seven games, but I have the Timberwolves beating the Rockets in seven games. So I think it might be um, might seem far-fetched, but Timberwolves, as young, wow. as young as they are, going to Houston for a game seven and beating the Rockets. Uh, my okay. second round, I have the Warriors against the Timberwolves. I think the Warriors take that in six games. Timberwolves are going to be a really good team this year. They have depth, and uh, they'll create some problems for the Warriors. The Warriors are not going to go through the playoffs again this year the same way they did last year. Um, and then the Spurs, I have them winning a really hard-fought series with the Thunder, seven-game series. And then in the Western Conference Finals, I have the Warriors knocking off the Spurs in five games. We saw last year, who knows what would have happened if Kawhi Leonard had not gotten injured in game one when they faced off against each other. I think Kawhi is going to be enough to get the Spurs one win, but that's all he's going to get them. So what do you have for the West? I'd say go through your East first, and I'll give my okay. entire lineup. I like what we got going. Okay. All right, so for my Eastern Conference in the first round, I got the Celtics beating the Hornets in five games. Celtics, they're, they have a lot of depth. Um, they have a superstar in Kyrie Irving. Gordon Hayward's another really good player. The Hornets, I love Kemba Walker. I think Malik Monk's going to do a lot for them as a shooter playing next to Kemba Walker. Um, but yeah, Celtics are just going to be too much. I have the Cavs sweeping the heat. That's going to be a little bit of an interesting and emotional series for LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, who both obviously spent... Wade spent almost all of his career up until now with the Heat, and LeBron James spent 40 years there, but I think they just take care of business and sweep the Heat. I have the Wizards playing the Sixers, so the Wizards, the three-seed, Sixers, the six-seed, and I actually have the Sixers beating the Wizards in six games. That's going to be my upset of the first round for either conference. Um, I think the Sixers, just with how young they are as the season keeps progressing, I think they're going to make a lot of strides, and by the time playoffs hit, Assuming they're healthy, assuming they have Joel Embiid, Simmons, and Fultz, I think that uh, they would be a bad matchup for the Wizards. 
And then my last matchup of the first round, I have the Bucks beating the Raptors four games to one. Bucks played the Raptors last year in the playoffs, and this year, I just—I mean, the Bucks are going to be the higher seed this year, unlike last year. And Giannis, uh, just the Greek freak, is going to be too much. And as long as Jabari Parker is healthy, I think the Bucks take care of the Raptors. So second round, I got the Celtics beating the Bucks in a really tough, competitive seven-game series. I love Giannis. I love the Greek freak and what he's going to be doing this year. And I think the Celtics, they don't have an answer for him. Unfortunately for the Bucks, they just don't have enough around him. They got Jabari Parker as long as he's healthy. Other than that, they got the Rookie of the Year last year in Malcolm Brogdon, but it, for a Rookie of the Year, he didn't have a great year. Um, they got Chris Middleton as long as he's healthy, but Celtics just have too much firepower. And then I have the Cavs beating the 76ers in five games. I think the Sixers are going to be a dangerous team moving forward, but they're just way too young this year. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, I have the Cavs sweeping the Celtics. Um, I know that the uh, Celtics were the number one seed in the regular season for me, but when they meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, LeBron James is going to be on a mission to just stick it to Kyrie Irving and when LeBron James is on a mission, unless you're the Golden State Warriors, you are not stopping him. So they are going to sweep the Celtics and make it seem like, because last year the Celtics actually won a game against them, um, and LeBron is just going to embarrass the Celtics, and particularly Kyrie Irving. So you have yet another Warriors-Cavs yeah. matchup? Yep. The what do you have, what do you have that finishing in? So... That, I think, is going to be a very fun series, much more fun than last year when the Warriors just rolled over every team in the playoffs and the Cavs managed to win one game. I think the Warriors still win the series, but I think it's going to go seven games. It's going to be a lot of fun, just like it was two years ago when it went seven and the Cavs won. Um, But Warriors win in seven, and then my NBA Finals MVP, obviously, Kevin Durant. Okay, uh, I like that. So uh, here's mine. For the West, we got the first round. We got the Warriors beating the Clippers in five games. The Clippers will come away with one, but be nothing for the Warriors. The Thunder play the Blazers for me, and they're going to take care of the Blazers four games to two. Damian Lillard and the Blazers will put up about two games, but they won't be enough. The Spurs will play the Nuggets, and they're going to take care of the Nuggets pretty easily. It's going to be a somewhat entertaining series, but four games to two for me in a six-game series. Uh, Rockets versus Timberwolves, that will be my my most exciting first-round game. I have the Rockets actually beating the Timberwolves four games to three, unlike you, having it flipped. So the Rockets will move on for me. Uh, second round, I have Warriors versus the Timberwolves. I have the Warriors taking care of them four games to two. Uh, and I have the Thunder actually taking care of the Spurs four games to three in an extremely entertaining matchup. Uh, and so for the next round, I have the Warriors playing the Thunder. And I have the Warriors edging out the Thunder barely in an extremely entertaining series that people don't expect. Four games to three. In a seven-game series, I have the Warriors barely edging out the Thunder. Uh, And then in the East, for my first round, I have the Celtics taking care of the Pistons, no problem, four games to zero. As well as the Cavs taking care of the Heat, no problem, four games to zero. I don't see either of those two teams even coming close to putting up a win. I have the Wizards actually taking care of the 76ers, four games to two. I, I like the 76ers year, but they're not going to beat the Wizards. Uh, they have, The Wizards should have done a little bit better in last year's playoffs. They have the team to do so. The 76ers are still going to 
be learning together. They're not going to beat the Wizards in the playoffs. I have them uh, handling the 76ers four games to two, and then the Bucks beating the Raptors in an extremely fun series, four games to three. Uh, after that, I have the Celtics taking care of the Bucks in another entertaining series, four games to three. So the Bucks will push them to seven games, but not be enough for the Celtics. And I have the Cavs beating the Wizards four games to two. So I see the Wizards putting up some sort of fight, but uh, LeBron on a mission, like you said, is unbeatable, especially for John Wall and the Wizards. Third round, I have Celtics versus Cavs. I have the Cavs taking care of them four games to two. So I see the Celtics still putting up two games, but uh, LeBron eventually will edge out Kyrie. And for my finals, again, I have Warriors and Cavs with the Warriors edging them out four games to three with my finals MVP as well being Kevin Durant. So at the end, it all kind of comes back to the same for me and you, but at least we have some fun changing up there in the first and second rounds for us. So who knows? Who knows we'll make the playoffs this year. All we know is that the Celtics, Cavs, and Celtics, uh, sorry, Celtics, Cavs, and Warriors are you know, right there in the thunder, and I don't know who's really going to give any of those four a run for their money. Yeah, I was um, I was somewhat expecting you to pick the thunder over the Warriors, but... Yeah, no, I know that was my bold prediction, but I also did say in that podcast that the realistic prediction, of course, the Warriors <laughs> are the best team ever yeah. assembled. I think that, as I said earlier, the Thunder are going to beat the Warriors next year, not this year, but the yeah. year after when they have one more year to match together, add maybe a few more pieces, but none of those players are going to go anywhere. They're going to realize that their best chance to beat the Warriors is together. Uh, at Oklahoma City. So I think this year it's really going to come down to the edge for me, uh, four games to three. And they're really going to show the Warriors that they got something to worry about, and it's not the Caps. Yeah, I think no matter what, though, this season is going to be so much fun. I cannot remember another offseason where there was nearly this much, not just player movement, but big-time players moving around. You got legitimate superstars that were yeah, so many so many new faces in new places yeah yeah so it's going to be really fun playoffs are going to be really exciting especially with all the talent in the western conference um yeah i i cannot wait for the season to start we got about a week and a half or two weeks no a week and a half yeah week about a week and a half until the uh season finally starts so it's going to be a lot of fun can't wait. I know you can't wait either, Perry. Do you have any uh, final remarks before we wrap up this podcast? Uh, I'm so excited about this season. I want to thank all of our listeners that are sticking around with us for another long episode. I know this was about this crazy season coming up, and we really wanted to cover it all. And that way we can go back once this crazy season kind of uh, unravels and we get to see how close uh, Corbin and I both were and how many points we can accumulate with this fun game that we came up with. But I really want to shout out everyone that came onto our Twitter and asked us some questions. I love that. And thank you so much for making that a fun to get into this podcast. I had a few fan interactions and we were able to answer those questions on here with Corbin and I. And I know that must have been cool for you guys. It was so cool for us to see you guys asking us questions. So even though we're not dedicating the next podcast to questions from our audience, we highly, 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 highly recommend you ask us some questions if you want to get a full in-depth answer because we will answer them on our next podcast as well. Whatever questions you guys got, uh, add us or at us on NBA Unwrapped for our Twitter page. Ask anything that's on your mind. And unless it's the craziest question in the world, Corbin and I will definitely answer it with a full debate uh, or at least a full conversation. I just want to thank you guys again for taking the time to go ask us some questions that we were able to start this podcast with. So thank you for that. And again, go follow us on our Twitter page at NBA Unwrapped. 
or Corbin at Corbin MRPK or me at Perry Aston, whatever you guys want to do, follow one of us. Either way, go follow the Unwrapped page because there's everything and anything on there and we are all over it. So thank you guys again for being so active with us and staying staying with us on some of these longer podcasts. I hope you're enjoying all the information because Corbin and I just can't contain it. Yeah, no, this these podcasts have been a ton of fun. I love this podcast today. I'm going to love looking back on this stuff at the end of the year and either seeing how we were right on stuff or laughing at ourselves for being so wrong about different predictions. Um, thank you guys again for all of the questions that you guys sent in on Twitter. Again, for our next podcast, if you guys have any questions you want answered, send us a question on a tweet through Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. Tweet us your questions, and we will either respond in a tweet or if we feel like it's something that deserves a little bit more time, we will talk about it on our next podcast. So for now, thank you all for listening. Again, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes at NBA or on iTunes, and you can also listen to our podcast on SoundCloud. I'm Corbin Weinerman. You've been listening to me along with Perry Aston. Perry, say goodbye. Bye, guys. Have a great weekend. And thank you all again for listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. Take care and hope you guys tune in again next time.